So welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast with your host Alan as always. Uh, it is time now for us to return to the land of previews. We are with you for podcast number 98 as we approach uh, a century of podcasts, no mean feat. Uh, so I am delighted as always to be joined by my brothers in arms. First of all, Mr. Marvel. Hi, are you? How's everybody? It's Keith here. Everybody doing okay? We are all wonderful and um, of course, joined by Mr. Indy himself as well. Hello, it's Robbie here. Yes, all good, Keith. What about you? Yeah, yeah, I can't complain. I can't complain. Um, I am currently in the, uh, on the second of my five weeks of four-day weeks. Uh, my The organization I work for are very forward-thinking and progressive and are, are thanking the team uh, you know, for the, the work we've put in over, over this pandemic. Uh, by by giving us Fridays off for the next five weeks, paid. So I mean, you can't really beat that. Um, Are there any jobs going? <laughs> you'll be the you'll be the first to know, or second, or third. You know. So, um, and uh, I was down in Cork for the past couple of weeks visiting uh, Brona's family. She's the first time she'd seen her family in four months. Uh, so that was great fun. Uh, you know, whenever we visit my family, it's like. You know, my mom, dad, brother, sister-in-law, and, uh, and my, my nephew. Whenever you visit Bruna's family, there's about a hundred of them. Um, <laughs> you know, just uh, brothers and sisters and kids and, and that. So it was it was good fun. Uh, we managed to get the tent out and uh, and go camping a couple of nights uh, down on, uh, down by Bantry Bay, which is just gorgeous. Uh, highly recommend it, Roddy. I know you're a bit of an outdoorsman yourself. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, I was actually reading. This is completely off topic, but I was reading about Hookhead Lighthouse. Have you ever been there? And the haunted, there's like a haunted mansion down there. No. This you can obviously see how busy I am at work <laughs> researching. <laughs> don't to don't go, admit but, uh, to that on tape, Roddy. Do not admit to that. No. You know, listen. given given your uh, given your your chosen genre and your preferred genre of writing, you know, especially with your your last release, Roddy, that sounds very apt. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, all all good here. I have to say, I had a interesting weekend. I had a really chilled weekend of watching like a load of Netflix, and then Monday and Tuesday I was helping a friend move, so that was really interesting. Two days. So apologies for delaying the podcast. That's kind of my my bad getting this out there. But yeah, it was really good. Um, caught up been kind of on like a binge of like reading and watching tv which is no bad thing so i think i'm catching up on lost time yeah yeah well that's uh that's nice that's nice to hear i'm i guess i had the opposite problem i so i i was in cork for a week on holiday and then i worked from cork for a week and i mean that's the wonder of of the fact that i guess we you know we've lived in this information and computer age for so long computer age i sound so old uh in the age of computers uh, but we've lived in it for so long and it's only now we're figuring out how to use it so i was able to effectively move my office which was my phone and my laptop down to down to cork and work from there for a week manage my team you know and communicate with the uk office you know but the problem of course was that i missed two weeks worth of pull list you know two so... big weeks of pull list. yeah mighty mighty weeks yeah there. so uh, i managed to get back into the uh back into coffee and heroes on tuesday past this is now thursday so two days ago and uh pick up my uh my my two large weeks and then of course this week's new comic book day rolled around on wednesday so i went down to pick up that as well so uh i might not be leaving the house for a while 
Ah, cool. I haven't got mine. I haven't got this week's yet, unfortunately, but hopefully get down on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So what have what you been watching on Netflix? Um, so started out with, finished up the Umbrella Academy season two, which very good. Don't want to spoil anything as it's very fresh, obviously. Really enjoying the characters and the sort of family dynamic in that one. I've actually never read the comic book, so I think that's something I might seek out after this. Uh, also finished the Transformers War for Cybertron Sie- Siege. It's a long, it's a long winding yeah, title, but that's the is that that's the first of the trilogy? Is that right? Yeah. So right. I think it's going to be a trilogy of, and they're all six episodes each. Okay. So okay. Yeah, really, really dug it. Give me serious Beast Wars vibes. I think uh, Chris from the store was talking about it as well, and he he definitely agreed. It's got some... I loved loved Beast Wars when I was a kid. So this, yeah, it sort of fills in a few blanks of the let's say the animated series from the 80s you know so uh, we're not gonna i don't i don't want to lose alan here yeah you know, this is this is diving into the 80s territory i think he's, uh, I think he's asleep so we, we can uh, just go for it looks happy as larry there but uh but i've watched the first episode and i got a chance to watch the first episode and i was dying to but really fantastic stuff the animation the you know the the, the computer generated animation just really suits really really well now beast wars wasn't really it was sort of after my time, definitely a Transformers 84 guy. Um, but it really suits it well. Their vo- the voices are scream Megatron, Optimus Prime, you know, were, were fantastic. He's not, he's not, I thought it was the... Um, Peter... Uh, Peter Cullen. Peter Cullen, I don't think yeah. it is. But uh, it's, it's not no, it's but he's, he does it. It's like I don't want to sound like it's an impression, but it's 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 a fantastic like yeah, reiteration yeah. of it, you know. Well, you really you have to take off John Wayne, is what you have to do. Yeah, but but I'll say no more. I don't want to spoil it for you because I, I could yeah. blather on all day please about don't, it. Please don't. But I, I'm really impressed with the first episode. Looking forward to the next one. So it's uh, yeah, it's like it's. To do something really interesting with the characters of Transformers, I think that's where it really excels. So, yeah. What about yourself, Mr. Taylor? Is the store? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I mean, just to jump on the Transformers there quickly. I mean, is there a character that you can get on board with as much as Rubble? Oof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bumblebee, I mean, Bumblebee. Yeah. 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 I mean, Bumblebee. There's a, there's a few more. Character. Yeah. Yeah, so. and apologies. I mean, I, I I was looking the other way. We're obviously communicating via the wonder of Skype right now. Uh, the reason for that was I just saw an Image Comics announcement for a preview of something. Uh, very apt, given that this is the previews podcast. Just prior to coming on to this, we were chatting very quickly about a title called Pulp that you're going to oh. be hearing a lot about in our next podcast, I would imagine. But Image Comics have just put out a thing 20 minutes ago that... Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips are launching a new graphic novel series called Reckless in December. And obviously this is a uh, a listening medium, not a visual one, but I'm still going to hold this up to the camera so that the guys can <laughs> see it. And uh, yeah, yeah, just hook it directly, give, hook it yeah, directly to my veins. You know? <laughs> I'll give it a chef's kiss. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, the store the last couple of weeks have been fantastic. To be honest, ever since we've you know come back after you know the lockdown and everything, and the store's been in you know it's been in great spirits. Uh, we've been very very busy. We've attracted new customers. Uh, bits and pieces that I was doing over the over the break are starting to bear fruit. You know the website has now launched www.coffeeandheroes.com 
and it's it's an attempt to be like to try and replicate the sort of community aspect we have on store but have it online you know we'll be having articles on there and discussions all of the podcasts are on there all the youtubes on there or oh, uh, there's a store with over 2000 products on there and you can sort of click and collect you can buy things and pick them up in store or have them posted to you uh but the the flip side to that is just as Roddy was saying, it was possibly his fault this podcast is delayed. It's also my fault because the last week has been exhausting. Uh, juggling website with uh, Legends of the Dark Knight release for its own reasons. With podcast stuff, with YouTube stuff. Um, it's It's been a busy week. It really has. I mean, we, Vicky and I do throw everything we can into the store and you know to make it the best it can possibly be. But, you know, sometimes you just, you're running on a little bit of empty. And uh, I may have collapsed in the bed last night at about eight o'clock, but you know, it had to be done. Feeling fresh today, so it's yeah. all, it, it was totally worth it. But uh, shout out as well just to uh, David, uh, David Vaughn, who uh, works for a company called Creative Wavelength. And they designed the site for me. I've worked very closely with David for the last few months. Introduction facilitated by Mr. Miller, no less. Yeah, I mean, uh, David's David's company uh, put together um, a website for me some time ago. Uh, actually, it's the it's the, the band that I used to manage, No Wall Paintings, um, which the website's still live. So uh, he did a fantastic job, really easy to get to work with, and really, really creative, Alan. Very much so. I mean, I the, the thing with comic book store websites in general is a lot of them are very basic because they're carrying a lot of information, a lot of back issues. To be honest, there's a real spreadsheet sort of look to a lot of them. And mm. the feedback we've been getting, certainly since we launched it, is that it's one of the easiest to use, you know, best looking comic store websites. And, you know, that a lot of that is down to David. You know, I, I showed him some samples of other websites and he, you know, you, you got to love this attitude right from the start. He just looked at them and went, we can do better than that. So, <laughs> you know, that's that's the kind of guy you want working on something like this. And he was excited by the project and... He's always really easy to reach, you know. It's interesting because, you know, Keith first introduced me to David and, you know, David's a local lad and I thought, yeah, absolutely support local businesses, especially given the way the world is at the moment. Uh, he lives in Barcelona. <laughs> <laughs> he's not from Barcelona. He's, he's not a, from Barcelona. Uh, he's it's, a North Coaster originally, it, I believe. Yeah. Is it his wife's from Barcelona? Yes, that's correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. you know, we... Not that we begrudge him, you know, leaving, you know, this fair island for, you know, sunnier shores. But uh, I just remember when Keith introduced me, I thought, oh, this will be great. You know, if I need anything, I can just run down to his office in town and, you know, we can chat about it and this and that. And then the next thing I know, I'm on a Skype call to Barcelona discussing the website. So, but no, he's, he, <laughs> he did an absolutely fantastic job. And as, as I was saying, I mean, all of our previous podcasts are on there, all free to, free to listen to, all of... The YouTube stuff I've been doing is on there. Uh, there's articles going on there, news, bits and pieces. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of work, but it's it's very satisfying. And hopefully the hard work is over for now in terms of getting it going. Now it's just oh. supplementing it as we go, you know. So Well, don't forget to look after yourselves as well, Alan, you know. Well, uh, you know, you never know. You might be seeing a little more of Mr. Miller soon. He very kindly offered to watch the store for a few days so I can sleep for a few days. So uh, <laughs> at some point. So you never I may know. or may not have pitched you in there as well, Roddy. <laughs> oh, well, what? It's first, the first time hearing about it. Yeah, I know. But happy to help. Happy to help as always. So I'm, I'm, I'm always looking to get back into those uh, baristas, looking, looking to use those barista skills again. 
Well, you may just get a chance soon. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, certainly if uh, Keith has anything to do with it. <laughs> Not even me. But uh, no, yeah, so we're, we're 100%. As I say, the, the comic industry, I think, has come back strong from the pandemic. And, you know, there's a lot of great creativity out there. They're, you know, as, as Roddy and Keith were both saying, they've been catching up in their reading. I've been doing a lot of reading recently. Uh, shout out again to Keith just for his uh, consistent recommending of Lazarus to me because I just finished book three and I need some more Lazarus in my life now. So I may need to borrow Lazarus uh, Risen next time. <laughs> uh, Greg Rucka and Michael Lark, masterpiece, Roddy. I think you need to get on that as well. Um, uh, uh, Martin has finished with the, the, the three uh, the three hardback editions, as has Alan. So... Uh, you're you're welcome to them next, but it's just it's world building extravaganza. It really is sort of a post-apocalyptic uh, neoliberal nightmare that you know, <laughs> with 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 a sniff of Highlander and a, you know, it's 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 uh, it's really really good stuff. Really good stuff. Exceptionally okay, good stuff. All over it. Exceptionally good stuff. So many thanks for that recommendation. Not uh, at all. Anytime. Invincible next, Alan. Invincible is next. I'm actually looking at it right now. I can see it just across <laughs> from me. It's uh, it's a bit of a massive tome, but uh, I've no doubt that once I get started, a la bone, I will uh, race through it. So <laughs> yeah, surely uh, will. And uh, I may come back to mention Invincible later in this previous podcast. So, but uh, yeah, as as I was saying, it's just it's a really good time at the moment. The amount of creativity out there, great titles. You know, the, the previews books came in there last week to the store. So, as always, we just want to try and guide you through it and, you know, try and pick out the best of what we think's coming because, I'll be honest, these the books this month I thought were very strong. Uh, even as a mm-hmm. DC guy, the indie book I thought was pretty outstanding. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that a wee bit more. I mean, why don't you guide us through the indie book, Roddy? What were your sort of general impressions of it? Well, how about before that, you tell us a little bit about this Batman book and why the power of previews. Oh, don't get me started, please. <laughs> you, had to, you had to run. Let it out, let it uh, out. Right, so. Because I, I am guilty of certain certain things, so I think you could, uh, you could let us know why yeah, it is important it's... to order things. So the last week, what, what had been partially contributing to my stress levels the last week where uh, there was a title that came out this week released on the the 5th of august called legends of the dark knights it was a death metal one-shot tie-in and first of all i have to say with metal i, I really like that the tie-ins are all one shots it's not you got to read this issue of nightwing and this issue of teen titans and this issue of justice league and to be honest, the first two issues of Metal, I've enjoyed, but I'm not going to lie, I've been confused at different places. They're throwing a lot of stuff at you. And my understanding was that when you got to this one shot, it was going to fill in a lot of the blanks and, you know, get people up to speed and say, okay, we've shown you this, 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 and this, here's what it means. But the other thing was they've introduced a new character in this one shot called the Robin King. Now, if you remember back when Metal came out, there was an issue, Teen Titans 12. This is the first Metal back in uh, 2017. And they introduced a character called the Batman Who Laughs. Suddenly, that Teen Titans 12 issue just started rocketing in value. You know, in DC and Marvel these days, there's because so much ground has been covered, so many characters created, there's not a lot of first appearances in modern comics. Certainly not for heroes, I would argue. I think villains maybe a little more, certainly with what Donny Cates is doing, you know, great work over on the Marvel side of things, you know, introducing new character uh, villains and Thor and in Venom and so forth. 
But with this one, suddenly everyone thought, oh crap, this is going to be another Teen Titans 12. Teen Titans 12 now regularly fetches in excess of £100. You know, it's the, it's the second-hand comic market, if you will. So I have absolutely zero problem as a store owner. If someone buys something off us, if, they, if it's worth more and they go and sell it, that's up to them. It's, they, they've you know, come to the store, they've trusted us to get something in for them, they've paid the right price for it, cover price, and they're free to do with it what they want. But with this one, what really got under my skin is that I started to see a lot of online stores, even two days before it came out, selling this issue for £30 and for £40. And, you know, for I, I like to think as a comic store, there's a lot of trust involved and that you're a conduit to helping people enjoy the industry and, you know, recommend stuff. And, you know, for you to price a book like that that was free to order at cover A and you could order as many as you want and to then price people out of it, I personally think is disgraceful and I, I really got to be in my bonnet about it a few days ago I wrote an article on the website you can check out on it as you can see Roddy's got me started here but it just really frustrates me as a store owner because I we would never sell anything above cover price the day it comes out it, it just will never happen I don't care if the book was worth a hundred pounds the day it came out if you have a pull list with us and you've put your faith and your trust in us to regularly come back to the store that will be reciprocated through us and we'll make sure you get these titles on release day and for cover price. And, you know, bringing it all back around to obviously what this podcast is about, that's why we like to throw the preview stuff out there and say to you guys, look, you don't want to miss this. You know, another regular, another example recently was Zero Year, number one, new title. Year from, Zero. Or Year Zero, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. From AWA Comics. And we recommended it in this podcast six months ago because then the pandemic hit and, you know, things got delayed. It but became a little more relevant. <laughs> a little too relevant. But uh, we recommended it months ago because we thought this sounds like a really good story. It wasn't the case of we recommended it because, oh, this might be worth money, guys. It was literally, this sounds Benjamin like a great Percy. story. Jump on it, yeah. Benjamin Percy, doing great stuff with X-Force and, and Wolverine and so forth. So... We want to try and point out what we think are the best upcoming titles so you guys can get them on to pull this so you're guaranteed cover price. You know, you're not having to worry about the second-hand market for a, quote, hot book, so to speak. You know, even that Legends of the Dark Knight that I just, you know, ranted on about for the last five minutes, we recommended that on our previews board months ago, you know, because the creative team on it, as well as Snyder, you had Garth Ennis in there, you had Peter J. Tomasi in there, and you had Tony Daniel in there. So... Yeah, it's just that I, I can't emphasize it enough. The comic market is very, very unique. It's the only industry in the world that I know is like this. You know, you're you're not going to walk into HMB the day a movie comes out in Blu-ray and suddenly it's £60. It's, it's a set RRP. <laughs> and the comic industry is the only one that has this unique sort of pre-ordering structure. So, you know, I can't emphasize it enough. Always get your pre-orders in as early as you can and you'll never have to pay over cover price. And I'm delighted to say we had 50 more than happy customers walk out of Coffee and Heroes this week with their cover price uh, issue of Legends of the Dark Knight, bagged and boarded, safely kept for them, and I don't know, maybe 45 of them have now sold it for £30? I don't know. But they left our store with it in cover price, and that's, that is a Coffee and Hero Heroes guarantee. You will never pay above cover price on release day. Well, you know, not all heroes yeah. wear capes. Yeah, you know, so good for you, Alan. No, brilliant. That's, I mean, that's because you know there there are other stores, you know, that that are 
just taking these things off the pull racks as soon as they jump up in price. Yeah. Taking them off pull lists as soon as they jump up in price and, and charging customers that inflated price for them for the as a result of the speculator market. So I mean you could be you could be, you know, cashing in, in the short term and and uh but more, I mean yeah more part to you. More part to you. Yeah, hundred percent. So you you needed to say it. So Yeah, thanks for that Roddy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Hit us with a hit us with your impressions of that indie market then, Roddy. What, so you know, what do you think? You know, you know what else is guaranteed? What's that? A cracking indie book every month. <laughs> You're what not wrong. Mean? You're not wrong. Yeah. Um. So, so I think last month was pretty blockbuster. There was a lot of like the biggest names in comics doing number ones. Um. So this month we sort of have. I think the blockbuster is a major Hollywood movie star co-writing a comic so that's a pretty big i think that'll end up being a pretty big deal so probably want to get on that one um don't know how people feel about it but you know if it brings more eyeballs to comics that's a good thing um there's a lot of new stuff this month um one is a massive relaunch of one of the greatest comic book series of, of all time Oof. But now it's in color. Yeah. So you've got a hefty eight-year commitment if you want to get on board of that. Um, there's there's a lot of new stuff, but I actually noticed I kind of picked up upon there was a couple of things ending as well. So there was um, low and Outcaster ending. But oh wow, um, long running books. Kirkman yeah, and is that as low recommender? Recommender and great. It is indeed. Yeah. And we'll get to him a bit later. And same with Kirkman. Um, so it's it's really interesting to see one thing come to an end for those creators and then another thing beginning to blossom. So like the, with those comics ending, you can you're probably going to get these absolute editions in the future, and those are series that Love you can pick up. Me an absolute edition. Following. Exactly. Um, but yeah, apart apart from that, like Image is looking strong. I think Boom's looking good. Obviously, loads of cool number ones. I think IDW is looking good with the sort of they're obviously taking along with their their licenses, but I think they have a couple of really interesting, like, creator-owned number ones, too. And then, obviously, kind of the best of the rest, all the other guys have, like, little great number ones as starting points. It's not, it's not often you get pretty much every company with a good number one, and then the continuing stuff sounds really good, too. And there's a lot of great graphic novels in the image section, too. So, yeah, no complaints and, uh... to the indie books. Excitingly, uh, we're looking at the, uh, I think the first uh, comic prelude to what's going to be the biggest movie of the year. But we'll uh, we'll talk a wee bit about that later as well, maybe. Tenet has a pre uh, a prelude graphic novel. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that's the indie book. I mean the the indie book. I I could have picked out twenty titles alone for the previews board yeah. just from indie. But you don't come to me for the indie books. You come to me for the DC stuff. So I have to say, very, very strong month for DC. Uh, this time, you'll be no doubt surprised to hear that, you know, three-fifths of my recommendations on the board are DC, and I could have easily recommended again another 10. But very strong month. You know, we've got the fallout from Joker War, which is an event I'm really enjoying so far and has proven popular in the store. I think that Tinian is doing great work on Batman at the moment. The two issues of Batman itself for Joker Wars have been great, but the tie-ins have been good as well with Batgirl and Nightwing and Detective Comics. 
there's a new Corner of the Watchmen universe being explored uh, by one of my favourite writers, no less, and also, I think, one of the best up-and-coming artists. Uh, you've also got the White Knight universe being expanded upon, the, the Murphyverse, if you will. And a personal favourite series is also making a comeback through DC. Used to be a vertical title, now it's a DC black label title, but Keith will be delighted to hear it's a normal sized comic black label title. Uh, and then throw in some Halloween hijinks and one shots and anthologies. So a very strong month all around, I think. I think that DC are, are really hitting their stride with their October releases, so lots to look forward to. Uh, which just leaves us the Marvel book. Yeah, absolutely. It's um I mean, whenever you first look at the Marvel book at it, it, it sort of first and you, you said this yourself, Alan, it first sort of looks like a a bit of a sailing along month, you know, one of those months where, you know, there's all the regular titles are ticking over. There's no big flashy number ones or jumping on points or or any of that sort of stuff. And in fact, you know, what we've seen this month is Marvel cutting a lot of books you know they've they've trimmed down on uh, on ghost rider we got the news yesterday that yesterday's doctor strange surgeon supreme is the last issue mark wade's book that's sad news for both mark mark wade and ed breeson because that ghost rider book and that doctor strange book are fantastic um so they're certainly not cutting for quality um there's a few other bits and pieces but whenever you look a wee bit deeper in october we're we're out the back end of uh, of empire uh, you reading Empire yet? I am holding all six issues till they're done. It's a weekly series, uh, so yeah. I'm happy to wait till all six weeks. Right, I have one to four plus the two zero issues uh, yes, sitting uh-huh. in the pile. So as soon as it ends, I'm gonna jump straight in. Well, you're more or less where I am. I've read one and two, but only I've got three and four <laughs> for in the a pile. different reason. Um, yeah, uh, but man, you know I'm not is, reading that. Okay. I I know you're not. I know you're not, Roddy, uh, and I and I don't fault you for it, um, but. You know, that is turning out to be just a fantastic four-color, you know, summer crossover, Avengers, Fantastic Four, Kree, Scrolls, unbelievable stuff, just action-packed, Al Ewing, Dan Slott, just a lovely, just everything that that I hope for in a in a summer crossover. You know, it's, it's just you know, brilliant, brilliant stuff, really. So I hope you enjoy it, Alan, when you come round to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward um, to it. It'll be... Uh, it'll be It'll be a palate cleanser from uh, from death metal, I think, which are they're two very different styles of story, two very different styles of story. Um, but anyway, um, so we'll be seeing in October how Empire impacts or doesn't impact Avengers and Fantastic Four. Um, how all we'll also be, I guess, right at the heart of the first family X family wide crossover since Hickman's run started on the X titles um, with Ten of Swords, uh, and I'm really, I'm really enjoying these family crossovers and events you know you've got you've had the the avengers and fantastic four and empire we've got uh you know sins rising as an arc and spider-man uh we have uh ten of swords and x-men so they're really they're covering all the all the bases here all i'm all i'm really looking forward to you now is if they bring the midnight suns back you know from the 90s ghost rider doctor strange blade all the guys um but anyway i love what i love what they're doing it's really got a Got a, got a feel of they're really gathering the families of, of comic books together again in Marvel. There's some big things happening in Spider-Man, which took a real dark turn this month in Nick Spencer's run. It, you know, it's it's been four color up until now, and it really took a really took a a dark turn into into Sins Rising. I was really yeah. impressed by how that went. Yeah, Roddy. Yeah, me too. Really excited. Mm. But he, he always has that. He seems to always have that switch where they can just 
it, it can be really fun and fancy free and like quipping but then the next issue will just be like a heartbreaker oh, or yeah. like yeah. in this case it'll be it just got really dark yeah and mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to where they're going in their you know crazy yeah. oversized issues for... and let's not forget that this is the man that made captain america a nazi Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know so so we'll be we'll be hitting um the arc after sins rising which is another arc called last remains in october in spider-man so i think nick spencer's uh in the darkness for the long run here for a while uh we've got spider woman she's hitting her 100th issue uh we've got a great premiere of a, of a strong license acquisition at marvel it could be massive news if they stick with it uh, some really strong trades, some collected editions, you know that sort of stuff. So, so whenever you look, whenever you look beyond the cover, it's it's a fairly strong month as well for for Marvel. And I think maybe that that trend down isn't a bad thing. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, sometimes it's just nice to continue on with uh, the strong stuff and the stuff that we love so much. It's I suppose with previews, yeah, it's it, it's always a balancing act. We're always looking for points for people to jump into, but also highlighting stuff that because it's two months down the line, it, it might be just hitting its stride in October, but maybe with us chatting about it now, maybe you jump onto it before it hits that point. So, mm-hmm. so uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's valid as well. I mean, it's the, the whole thing with us going through the previews book is always, you know, we know no one has an infinite amount of money to buy up every single title, so we just want to try and guide you as best we can with it. Um, so the format that we always go for is we pick five books each. They all go on to the previews board in the store. Uh, we also, I've recently just uploaded an article to the website as well, but we like to go into it in a bit more depth, maybe too much depth sometimes, but ah well. <laughs> well. It comes from a place of passion. It does, it does indeed. So... We're going to be uh, discussing those five titles each. Uh, we'll, we'll sort of take it in turns and recommend the different ones. I promise I'm not recommending ten titles. I'm just going to talk about ten because Vicky has chosen five of those. But uh, just as I was absolutely shattered last night, it's her turn to, to rest up tonight. So uh, <clears throat> I'm going to kick things off with my first pick. And this is something I'm ridiculously looking forward to. So my first introduction to Scott Snyder was not Batman. It wasn't metal it wasn't you know any of that good stuff for me my first introduction to him was actually a horror series called american vampire and the first five issues of it were actually co-written by stephen king the artist on it was Raphael albuquerque who was also the co-creator along with scott snyder of american vampire so the whole idea behind american vampire is showing how vampires have always existed in the world you know, the story actually starts out in the Old West uh, with a, a, a cowboy called Skinner Sweet, who's an outlaw, and he gets bitten by a vampire, and then he becomes our through line. But with American Vampire, what was cool was each arc would jump to a different point in time. So the first arc was, as I say, set in the Old West, then you have arcs set in, you know, the jazz scene in New Orleans, you have uh, an arc set in sort of the greaser period in America, you had a, uh, an arc set during World War II, you even had a set, uh, a story, sorry, set against the uh, the race to get to space as well, uh, which was called American Vampire Second Cycle. So they're bringing back American Vampire, and it's called American Vampire 1976. This is going to be a nine-issue miniseries. It's being released through the DC Black Label, as I say, but it is standard comic size. It's not the sort of Black, black Label Prestige Plus size. So in terms of the uh, the blurb for this one, you know, it's the first three words are a bit too relevant to the current times, to be honest. But the first three words in the blurb are America is broken. 
Uh, trust between the government and the American public has crumbled. Paranoia reigns supreme. It's 1976, and this is the concluding chapter. Oh, no, I didn't realize it was concluding chapter. That makes me sad now. Uh, <laughs> the concluding chapter of American Vampire. Skinner Sweet has exhausted all efforts to regain his lost immortality. With his powers and purpose gone, he is now determined to go out with a bang. At a seedy motorcycle rally in the desert where he's closer than ever to his death wish, Pearl Jones and a shocking partner tracks him down for one last desperate mission. The force known as the Grey Traitor and its minions are tunneling through the bowels of the world to unleash hell on earth just in time for America's bicentennial. With catastrophe looming, it's up to Skinner and Pearl to reconcile and chase the course of history, or die trying. The series that launched the careers of Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque returns for nine final issues and the closing chapter of the legacy of American Vampire. I know that, for example, with Snyder, sometimes, I know certainly it's an opinion that, that, that Keith has talked about before, that sometimes he goes too big and too cosmic and you know maybe loses the run of himself slightly. You know, Metal's another example. But American Vampire is a great example of his streamlined storytelling. You know, he keeps the cast list very small. Uh, you have the you have two characters who I just mentioned, Skinner Sweet and Pearl Jones. They're essentially your through line through this story, and it, the story never goes far from those two characters. So, uh, I, I like to think that it'll be a good jumping on point as well. And you know, you'll see what American Vampire is all about. And then if you like it, you can always go back and read the previous stuff. But I have full faith in these guys that this is going to be awesome because every arc until now has been awesome. Uh, I, I don't think either of you guys have read much American Vampire, if any, at all. Really? Uh, no, never. Um, I've always kind of looked at it from afar as a sort of half Snyder fan. Um, <laughs> love witches, love, love the Batman stuff, but I've never, and The Wake as well, but no, never, never really got into it. Sounds awesome though. Might be, might be something worth picking up. The um, I, I saw it whenever it first came out, uh, and I thought Stephen King's involved. I I'm, I want a piece of that, and I never quite got around to picking it up. Um, but what I'm now thinking is, you know what? This is the this is the conclusion of this. Yeah. Uh, you know how many issues is it running for? Do you so know, this is going to be nine issues. Nine issues. So. Given that this is the end of a trilogy, right? Uh, to a degree. I mean, the the first American Vampire run was thirty plus issues. Oh, and right. Then okay. Second, I was... Then second cycle came out. It was ten issues, I think, and then this one will be nine. Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm Just thinking is backwards, Keith. Could it fit into a nice omnibus? This is the only thing. There already <laughs> is a beautiful American Vampire omnibus, which includes all of the first issues and second cycle. But now you must be thinking, if you're a fan, why didn't I wait until this came out? <laughs> well, you know? you know, I think that might be my moment. I don't know. We'll see. Or maybe pick up the soft covers. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, definitely interested in that one, Alan. Highly, highly recommended. As I say, I mean, if, if you enjoy, for example, Roddy, you'd mentioned their Witches and The Wake, and he did another really great one called Severed. I, I think Snyder works his best stuff when he's working on horror. And that's why Court of Owls is my favorite Batman story because it's mm. it's deep rooted in the boogeyman in the dark, you know, the the ghost stories that whisper around Gotham, that kind of thing. So uh, yeah, really, really recommend that one, guys. That is gonna hit on the sixth of October, mm-hmm. issue one. Uh, pre-orders. Couldn't help him still trying good. to get vampires into space. <laughs> it's a really good arc that Just actually. Yeah. Yeah. Desperate to go cosmic, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well they've done them they've done vampires in Day Hard. It's now time for vampires in Apollo thirteen, isn't it? <laughs> you might not be wrong. Um but yeah, pre orders are strong on this already, so it is and again I think this will be 
this would be a big title. So, uh, yeah, that was my first pick, which was American Vampire 1976. Uh, then I'll just throw in very quickly, Vicky's first pick was a hardcover for a title that I know myself and Keith have been enjoying, which is called Adventure Man. Uh, uh. This is only two issues in so far, so it's, it's interesting to see the uh, hardcover solicited here. It is a slightly advanced solicit. It's not out until November. But this is from the team of Matt Fraction and the Dodsons. And, you know, this is proper, fun, pulpy, steampunky, Indiana Jonesy, shadowy. Yeah, so, I mean, it's very much that, um, you know, the, the Phantom and, uh, you know, the Shadow and uh, maybe Doc Savage, you know, the Man of Bronze, that sort of pulpy goodness. Roddy, you had, have you reread this? I know you weren't too keen whenever we, we first reviewed it. Oh, well, you know, I don't know why not too keen. I think maybe maybe I was in the wrong mood. Maybe I'm in a better mood now. So I think I'll have to maybe go back and have a wee look at it or maybe maybe even pick up that hardcover just to just to give it a difference. Maybe maybe it deserves another chance. I don't know. It, it de- I mean, Matt Fraction, it definitely. Yeah, it definitely. Do- and I mean, I think I think there's something a wee bit more interesting than just, you know, they're 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 playing with that story a wee bit. Um, the, the, you know, the way Kieran Gillen sort of plays with the idea of the story and Once in Future and, and Loki and uh, and some of those, Die, uh, some of those other books, you know, they're, they're playing with the story here and we're looking at, you know, a, the character of Claire who, you know, as a lot of those pulp heroes are very much, you know, the great white conqueror, uh, you know, those sorts of racist, misogynistic tropes, you know, that, that really aren't well looked upon now. But I think we're looking at a story where, where Claire will will pick up where Adventure Man dropped off, something like that. I'm not I'm not quite sure, but I think as Matt Fraction, there's more going on here, and I think by the time that hardcover comes out, those issues will will tell that story. So I think there's 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 something to look forward to here. Yeah. Well, yeah, as you say, maybe it's a case of hardcovers the way to read this for you, Roddy, when it does hit that. So. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's Vicky's okay. first recommendation, which is Adventure Man Volume One. But you know, Keith had mentioned Kieran Gillen there. Why don't you give us your recommendation then, Roddy? Your first one from the board. Yeah, so this is um, this is a Marvel one for me, which is interesting. Um, written by Kieran Gillen. Um, so I'm. This is maybe more a pick because I knew it was going to be big. But I think for me, it's certainly something that looks like the perfect entry point. Um, I've never, I've always kind of glanced at, you know, Warhammer stuff from afar and I've loved the art of it, but I've never, never really found that, that way in. So this, this is Kieran Gillen doing Warhammer 40k, which is the untold origins of a fan favorite character. Um, about a space marine called Marnes Kalgar. Hope I've pronounced that right. Um, so what I find really interesting about this one, I think it's going to do gangbusters pretty much. Uh, Marvel have been, they've kind of been on the the acquiring sort of binge, trying to, they've picked up Conan in the last couple of years. Now they've picked up Alien. And now they've got this working partnership with Games Workshop. So this one seems really interesting. And Kieran Gillen's been sort of doing the rounds, doing interviews about it. And he said, um, he wants it to be this, um, provide a quick overview and like this immersive um, jumping on point, obviously. But he also wants it to have these 
fan favorite moments and nods to different lore and stuff that'll really engage the long-term fans as well because you know you sort of have to appease both in this with comics now and this is this is the first of a five-issue miniseries and i'm sure knowing what marvel have done recently it's going to be the first of many um so i'm looking forward to this as something that may interest keith is that they said they were inspired by um is it dawn and powers of x oh yeah right yeah so there's going to be little um info things do you know like the little info breaks and the, oh heck the, the hickman the style yeah. details uh-huh. the, okay. the, the hickman uh the very the hickman author sort of um yeah edit pages and that kind of thing so yeah i'm looking forward to this one the art the art looks stunning as well so the arts, um, i'm uh, sure it's jason burrows i think is the artist in this yeah recently uh, did yeah. punisher soviet yeah, absolutely well known for uh, working alongside Garth Ennis on Punisher, and uh, and uh, also was he on was he on Crossed for a while and so, uh, yeah. a few of those yeah those books. So um, wow, I mean, this is 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 it the case that that Marvel now have a Games Workshop license? In which case, that is that that could potentially be big news. I mean, that's not just Warhammer Forty K money, basically. Yeah, absolutely, that'd be. Warhammer, yeah. Warhammer 40k, all of those, you know, it's, uh, that's great. I was, uh, grow, no, I was just going to say when, when I was growing up, um, my brother was big, he wasn't big into the Warhammer or Warhammer 40k, but it was, he had Blood Bowl and he had Hero Quest as well. A man so after I've my own heart. The, I, yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I've always loved the miniatures, but I've always I've just been looking that perfect way to get into Warhammer, you know. Well, I mean, the the thing about I mean, Warhammer 40k is effectively they've taken that that vibe of Warhammer, that uh, sort of dirty, gritty fantasy set, and I've transported it into the 41st millennium. Uh, you know, and and you've got these warriors of humanity who tend to be these religious fundamentalists for the most part. And, uh, you know, there are these space marines and, uh, you know, it's all this tech and this dark future stuff, you know, it's the, you know, but it's interesting because Kieran Gillen, I mean, obviously we know him from Thor and Iron Man and all that good stuff, you know, and and the the, the other fantastic books that he's writing currently. Um, yeah. But he's also a huge Warhammer fan. Um, and, uh, you know, he's there's there was a Crown of Destruction comic and, a total war Warhammer series, but you know, so this is a guy who's marrying his his comic writing with his love of uh of this particular medium, you know, and apparently he's a pretty good model painter as well, from from what I understand. Oh you know? wow! So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, I'm really looking forward to this one. I, I mean, I think this is going to be this is going to be class, and uh, yeah, yeah, good, good, good I think one. It's going to be huge. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Warhammer is one of those things that certainly appeals to the demographics of people who come to comic stores as well. So they're sort of getting the best of both worlds colliding here. So, yeah, I mean, we, we get asked for Warhammer comics quite quite frequently. And I think in the past, Games Workshop themselves have been very protective of the license. So it's interesting that, uh, as you say, Keith, maybe some of it's to do with the fact that Kieran Gillen is so well-versed in the universe. And maybe he was able to pitch them and I and then maybe... 
you know, then work in conjunction with Marvel to realize it and make it happen. So, yeah, the pre-orders again are strong on this one already. So I think there's, I think people out there are crying out for some some good Warhammer comics. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, so that's the Warhammer 40k number one, uh, Marnius Calgar. So you were talking there, Roddy, about how Marvel hoovered up licenses recently. Uh, that leads us directly to Keith's first choice, which is definitely yeah. how you do a license. <laughs> Oh, definitely, and it's it's funny because I mean the so I think Roddy's choice uh, and very much the Warhammer uh, the Warhammer vibe was very much inspired by the works of uh, of Robert E. E. Howard, the original author of Conan. Uh, you know, so I think that's a really really lovely segue there, Alan. Um, that that real violent um, grimy world that you know that that Howard uh, that Howard painted, you know, that, that he that he wrote in in Conan, I think very much translates into into Warhammer. I think they borrowed quite quite heavily from that. But uh what I'm talking about is specifically um is the uh the Conan and uh oh god, where am I? Hold on. It's uh it's Conan uh it's a Conan hardcover, Conan the Barbarian by uh by Jason Aaron and Muhammad Azrar. And uh, I mean, this is just—I don't really have to sell this book to you, do you, Alan? Uh, you uh, do, you, Roddy. You and Roddy sold this book to me for a year I before we, I finally we, listened to you. So we yeah, just mean, sold it enough. I think we talk about it long enough. Um, yeah, buy, buy it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like so, that sort of thing. And um, so, every sort of reviews. I think we were talking about it, and then more recently, we got we sort of. Badgered Alan into reading it, and when he finally did, he was I loving it. Say so. so much badgered me as uh, back in those heady days where we could actually sit around the same table and record. Uh, Roddy was kind enough to bring his first twelve issues to my house that night, and he just very suspiciously left them behind, and you know was like, "Yeah, you should read these." And they they sat in my nightstand for about a month, I would say, and then. I finally went, right, let's see what these guys are talking about. I'll give it three issues. If it's no good, I'm not reading it. Then I read the first six issues that night, woke up the next morning, got a cup of coffee, went back to bed, read the next six issues. Fantastic. I mean, and this this, this covers the first 12 issues of, of Conan. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the initial blurb um, is just fantastic. Do you remember that that initial blurb from inside the front cover of every issue? Yeah. From an edge undreamed, hither came Conan the Sumerian, black-haired, sullen-eyed, sword in hand, a thief, a reaver, a slayer, with gigantic melancholies and gigantic mirth, to tread the jewel thrones of earth under his sandaled feet. Conan's travels have brought him to the far reaches of the unknown, from his birthplace in Sumeria to the kingdom of Aquilonia and all in between. But his fighting prowess, prowess lets him carve his way uh, through life, so too, so too does it attract death. So, so this is this is the first twelve issues of Jason Aaron and Muhammad Azrar's uh, Conan the Barbarian series, which was the relaunch of that license at Marvel in two thousand nineteen. Um, it's a hardcover, uh, you know. It's, I guess, you know, Conan finds himself up against. Uh, the the Crimson Witch and uh, and her children and the deadly wizard Thothamon and uh, you know as beasts rear their fearsome heads Conan fights his final battle and meets his ultimate fate but what lies beyond the veil of life could it be Conan's god by Crom you know it's 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 just really 
fantastic stuff. It, it, it it's written great. It, you know, Jason Aaron was was bouncing this off Thor at the same time. No one does does you know sword and sorcery fantasy and and heavy metal like like Jason Aaron does. And uh, regardless of what you know DC might be saying right now, but uh, you know, and and Muhammad Azra's art is just is just fantastic. So. Yeah, I mean, we've talked we've talked so much, uh, you know, about this 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 series that I couldn't I couldn't just see this in the previews book and let it pass. Um, you know, it would have been it would have been it would really? have been <laughs> it would have been bad manners. They also me. have um, as a wee bonus one. Um, they've also got a Conan handbook as well, which I think is a reprint. So that looks pretty tasty too. I think I'm going to get that. Oh, cool! cool. You know, like they stuff. do the the Marvel guides and the Marvel handbooks. Oh, handbooks and that's finally nice to see Conan. Yeah. Cool. So that's yeah. You know, Conan the Barbarian by Aaron and Azrar. That's a hardcover, so cost you a little bit more, but uh, I think it's going to be a beautiful hardcover and probably well worth your investment. Yeah, I mean these Marvel hardcovers in general are are really well put together and they sell well in the store as well. We've had the likes of the Venom ones in the. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man ones, Immortal Hulk hard covers, that kind of thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, the the biggest compliment I can give it is that I was, you know, very cynical about it, and you know, I I had to be convinced, I think, to read it because I'm not really a swords and sorcery guy normally, but it's just brilliant, brilliant storytelling, and it's and it's a testament to Jason Iron's skill as well because every issue felt like a one shot, uh, but every issue also felt like it was sort of part of a bigger narrative as well so uh yeah in my mind one of the best books i certainly discovered this year that i wouldn't have had any prior contact with so even though i did uh ultimately track down the single issues for myself after roddy so graciously lent me them i will probably Mm -hmm. be having a hardcover in the house as well lovely lovely so yeah that's all our our first picks anyway so we're back around to me so my second pick on the board is very much the definition of my often quoted mantra of do not follow characters follow creators so this is an indie title this is uh image comics this is called the scumbag uh this is written by rick remander who this is as i say follow creators that you love love deadly class big low uh, big fan of Tokyo Ghost, just fantastic writer. Uh, had many golden years at Marvel. I understand. I must go back and actually check out some of his Marvel stuff. But his indie stuff always soars for me. Uh, Death or Glory was another great one recently. Uh, but so he's writing this, and what's interesting about this is it's going to be a title that is going to have a rotating um, row of artists. It's not going to be a title that it's just one artist the whole way through. So to kick things off for issue one, uh, the art it's two artists, which is Luis La Rosa and Moreno Denicio. So the arc itself is called Jazz Apple Armageddon, part one. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> the fate of the world rests in the hands of the worst person on it. New ongoing series from the writer of Deadly Class, Rick Remender launches an all-new comedy espionage series, The Scumbag. The story of Ernie Ray Clementine, a profane, illiterate, drug-addicted biker with a fifth-grade education. He's the only thing standing between us and total Armageddon, because this dummy accidentally received a power-imbuing serum, making him the world's most powerful super-spy. This new ongoing series will feature a murderer's row of all-star artistic talent rotating each issue. The first issue showcases the stunning work of Luis La Rosa, with subsequent... uh, 
chapters and covers by brilliant talents such as Andrew Robinson, Eric Powell, Tula Lote, Wes Craig, Roland Boshi, Simone DeMeo, Marguerite Savage, Duncan Fregredo, Yannick Paquette, Mike McKeown, Dave Johnson and many, many more. This is Buzzkill Meets the Boys in an irreverent superhero story where the power-wielding main character resembles a grown-up Matthew McConaughey from Dazed and Confused rather than society's idea of a hero. So... Yeah, that's either going to, I think, appeal to you based on that blurb or it's not. But the preview uh, art pages for this, I thought, were pretty exceptional looking. It looks dirty and grimy and pulpy and, um, yeah, right up my alley. And, again, it's it, it's always the case that I say to follow those creators rather than sort of stories, you know. Um, a couple of guys have jumped on this already as well. So I think, I think this is going to be a good one this year, I have to say. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that is my second choice, which was Scumbag number one. So I'll just throw in Vicky's second choice, which was also an indie book. And I have to say, she's, she's picked out a good one here. Uh, this is from Aftershock Comics. And Aftershock are one of those ones, I know Roddy and I have talked about it before, that you know maybe we recommend it to people a lot, but we don't push it as, as, as much as a label, certainly as much as we do Image and Boom and so forth. But they do some really, really great stuff. And this one sounds great. I think this is right up your alley as well, Roddy. Uh, So this one's called We Live. Uh, This is written by Roy Miranda and Inaki Miranda. And Inaki Miranda is also the artist on it. And it looks like we've we've talked before about how most future-set tales are always dark and dirty and grimy and the future is a horrible place. This looks the opposite. Uh, So... The year is 2084 and the world has changed. Uh, Racked by calamities and crawling with monsters, the last remaining humans face a dangerous existence. And now the Earth has been sent a message from the deepest reaches of space, a dark countdown to the of all humanity. What was I saying about this sounds lighter? Uh, (laughs) But there is hope. 5,000 children will be rescued by these mysterious message senders. This is the journey of Hutato, one of the lucky 5,000, but only if his teenage sister Tala can safely deliver him to the nearest beacon before time runs out. We Live is a world of violence and beauty, a unique tale of the apocalypse as told by Aniki and Roy Miranda that invites both dread and hope. I mean, the reason I was saying it looks like a more colourful version of the future, I think, is because it, the preview art for this is bloody gorgeous. Uh, very watercolory. It's very much that nature has taken over... Mm-hmm technology uh you know it's got that watercolor type style as well so i think that's a i think that's a really interesting sound one it looks proper class yeah october 14th for release for that one so because we what what was the one you kind of got me to pick up um death day wasn't it dead day yeah. dead day yeah it was really really good so i think i'm gonna be jumping on that one too yeah so uh yeah so that was vicky's second pick and that is we live uh and how about yourself roddy hit us up with your next choice i am just loving dc at the moment so (laughs) i thought dc dc's book was super super strong um so i've got i've went for the uh, obviously october what is the big thing that happens in October? Halloween and DC treat this very coolly, as I see. Always, they've always got something for Halloween. In this case, they've got two, but the big one is probably um, 
Legend of the Swamp Thing, Halloween Spectacular number one, which is a 48-page anthology, the Eleven anthology. Um, so this this one's the big one because we've got Tom King, we've got James Tinney in the fourth, Vita Alia, Philip Kennedy Johnson, and Ram V. And then we've got artists such as Domo Stanton, Mike Perkins, Trad Moore, Emma Rios, and Christian Ward. So it's a double-edged sword, sword because... Swamp Thing almost gets like a yearly trot out now just to be the Halloween guy. But it's great to see Swamp Thing at the same time. So with anthologies, you get smaller stories. You get to you get to play around with it. So it's really interesting to see what all these creators um, have to do. And um, looking forward to what Tom King has to do on Swamp Thing because I really enjoyed the, the winter special, which I think was a couple of years old now. Yeah, it would be two um, years old this December, I think. Yeah, but I've really loved the the DC um, the Halloween line. I really like what they do because then we have Cursed Comics Cavalcade, and then last year it was Secrets of Sinister House. Yeah. So this this one looks really good. An exceptional list of talent on that. So um, the wee blurb says. In this 48-page collection of six all-new stories, The Guardian of the Green reveals past lives and the unforgettable horrors that befall those who cross his path. From ancient Rome to present day, Swamp Thing stalks these ghostly and ghastly tales, all of which are best read by the light of a jack-o'-lantern. So, and it does also have a little brother, which is, we'll just mention it quickly, called The Doomed and the Damned, another 48-page um spectacular this one we've got different creators on it and this is sort of more i think it's using your more horror based characters in the dc universe and then we've got man bat um there's madame xanadu too and a lot more etrigan probably um but yeah that one seems really cool too so i'm looking forward to that that one's got um maria machado marv wolfman ken porter um Saladin Ahmed as well doing a DC book, which is interesting. Oh. Um and then Riley Rossimo on art, um, Leonard Manko, Tom Mandrake, and Mike Perkins. So that one looks really good too. Um, but I think it's definitely I think the big hitter is probably the Swamp Thing one. But this one looks just as good. So I dig you know, I did go for a two-pronged one there, but I thought they're they're kind of like companions to each other, so it's worth worth a mention. I was gonna say you're turning into Keith there instead of just recommending one thing. You're you're doing multiple <laughs> ones at the same time. Yeah. You know this isn't actually. I'll allow my, it. I'll allow it. This isn't actually my pick, but. Uh, but yeah, no, I know was what you're a, saying. Was I mean, we honourable mention there, Ronnie. Was that what that was? <laughs> they come. They come in. No, they come as a pair. Okay. No honourable mentions here. Just, just so we're clear. <laughs> just, you, they if, both they both good fit in the board. Yeah, I mean, it's as you say, I mean, DC are always very, very good about putting out the Halloween stuff and they always do these great anthologies. And I think it, I think it is true what you say, Roddy. I think if someone's going to pick up the Swamp Thing one, they're probably going to pick up the Doomed and the Damned as well, just for their sort of uh, two-header of horror there, I would say. So, so yeah, so the main recommendation uh, was to quote Roddy in our, um, in our little rundown, DC Halloween Swampers. And... Uh, <laughs> Or, oh, Legend, about that. or Legend of the Swamp Thing, to give it its full title. But yeah, just a little shout out there as well for DC, The Doomed and the Damned as well. Uh, I must say, I am loving this at the moment because let the DC loving continue. What's your next pick, uh, Keith? 
Well, you know, I'm not I'm not share scared to show my colors. Um, you know, my next pick is a book that uh, I guess I've talked about time and time again. Um, I've only I've only fallen in love with the character all over again whenever I read uh, Tom King and uh, Tim Seeley's Grayson, the Super Spy Omnibus. There not so long ago. Um, thanks for uh, you know, thanks for recommending that, Alan. That's, that was just a fantastic, fantastic book. But um, we've got Nightwing seventy five, um, and you know what I've been waiting for in Nightwing for months and months and months and months is the return of Dick Grayson um, to to the role of Nightwing. So I think in Nightwing 73, as part of the Joker War, uh, which we've already seen kicking off, and which, as you said earlier, is really interesting stuff. I'm really enjoying it. Um, that Again, another, uh, like Marvel are doing, another family-wide crossover. Yeah. Um that's just just lovely. Um so uh we're currently sitting with uh with Rick Grayson following uh following the, the shot in the head in Batman fifty, uh, you know, short of his memory. He's slowly been struggling back. The the Dick Grayson persona, you know, has slowly been struggling back against the Rick Grayson persona. I think in, in Nightwing seventy three we're gonna see we're gonna see um the man is currently known as Rick Grayson uh, back in the Nightwing costume, but I think seventy-five we're going to see the actual return of of, of Dick Grayson, the the reassertion of his 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 core personality and uh, and that. So it says in the wake of Joker War, because it is Joker War Fallout. Joker War is done by this time. Um, Nightwing is back, but is he back for good? Uh, and does he remember B, uh, his uh, Rick Rick Grayson's current girlfriend, who's a, a fantastic character? Um, with the help of Batman, Batgirl, and his Teen Titans friends, and even Alfred, Nightwing must decide for himself which path to take. And then, when KGB Beast, KG Beast discovers Nightwing is still alive, his street credibility is on the line. If he doesn't go to finish the job, he started when he tried to kill Nightwing and missed. Nightwing better watch his back if he wants to be back for good. So, guest starring Cyborg, uh, which is going to be interesting. Really looking forward to seeing that... Uh, that battle with uh, KG Beast because uh, Nightwing didn't stand a chance the last time he was shot from a distance. I don't think that's going to happen this time somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just that we note there that, uh, you know, with the help of uh, of the Bat family and even Alfred, this could be a tearjerker. You know, this could be a uh, this could be a good one uh, for sure. So, uh, so yeah, that's Nightwing seventy five. Obviously, a, an anniversary. Uh, issue Dan Jurgens, Travis Moore, and uh, and Ronan Cliquet, um, covered by Travis Moore. Um, so yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I think it comes at a good time as well because we've had a lot of people jump on to Nightwing for the tie-ins to Joker War, and some of them are slightly confused at this Rick Grayson persona, and you know they haven't been keeping up to date with it. But it's also brought them into it to the point where they've said. Oh, just just keep me on Nightwing once Joker War's over. I'm I'm quite enjoying where this is going. So, uh, I think uh, although you've you know toiled for years waiting for this moment to return. <laughs> well, I mean, I wouldn't say toiled for years. I I sort of came more lately to to Nightwing with you know the the rebirth. I've always enjoyed the character, uh, but I've never read him consistently. You know, so it was only really with Rebirth that I. I jumped on because there was a number one to jump on, but of course I picked up that Grayson, and you know because Roddy did it, I feel I can do it. You know we've got the uh, and you were this we've got going. the <laughs> we've got the Nightwing uh, Prince of Gotham hardcover omnibus out this this month as well, Alan, haven't we? It is indeed, Jail. So in this previews book, it covers the uh, the new Fifty Two run, 
which was, I believe, Kyle Higgins off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. That is an excellent, excellent run, and it leads directly into Grayson. So I think it's it's a nice gap in your knowledge that I think that you yep. would really, really dig. Uh, Eddie Barrows does a lot of the art in it, from what I remember, as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a strong creative team on that. I'll pick that one up too, then. Double dose of Nightwing. So oh, now the, yes. Now the press, you know, just because I'm doing two recommendations each time, you know, I, I have said that one of them's Vicky's. <laughs> They're not all mine. You're cheating, Alan, so we're cheating. <laughs> cool. So that was Keith's uh, second pick. So that was Nightwing 75. So going to continue the DC loving just for a little bit longer as we come back around to another one of my picks. So what I've got coming for you next is a expansion of the Murphyverse. Uh, as it is sort of tentatively titled. The Murphyverse is essentially Sean Murphy's uh, Gotham, so to speak. It's the, the the continuity that he has established in Batman White Knight and Batman Curse of the White Knight, which is not beholden to any major canon. He's sort of made his own little corner. It's essentially an Elseworlds, but he's been allowed to flesh it out and uh, give it a lot more depth. So he's launching a new initiative, which is basically going to be called Batman White Knight Presents, And what this is going to be is they're not stories that he is necessarily directly writing or drawing, but he's outsourcing them to creators that he thinks, you know, will fit the aesthetic of White Knight. And the first one coming out is Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn. No, no, come back, come back. I know it's Harley Quinn. This is a good thing. Uh, Harley in the last six months, I think, has been written brilliantly. Uh, I'm normally, you know, a Harley Quinn you know, I've I've no interest whatsoever. But between Harleen, between Tom Taylor on Suicide, Suicide Squad, Squad. Uh, even going back, I know that yeah. the series was a little divisive, but I really enjoyed Harley's characterization in Heroes in Crisis, and then Harley in the White yeah. Knight universe has, has been really interestingly redefined as well. So this is going to be a six. And also, I'm loving the TV show. Sorry to interrupt you. The Not TV show is fantastic. It, it deserves a shout out as well. Yeah, it's uh, just don't sit and watch it with your kids, people. Um, it's not a <laughs> children's show, to say the least. But you'll realize that, I think, within 10 seconds of putting it on. So, But uh, no, I, I agree with Rod. I've probably watched about seven or eight episodes of it, and it is actually pretty funny in places. I love Kite Man and Bane, um, I have to say. No, Bane. Bane is the best. <laughs> <laughs> he took Bane's kick. Um <laughs> Yeah, so, as I say, so this is Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn number one. This is going to be a six-issue miniseries set in the White Knight universe. So it's written by Katana Collins, who I believe is Sean Murphy's wife. Uh, she is writing the script. The story is by Sean Murphy and Katana Collins. And then this excites me as well. The artist is Mario Scalera, who is an artist that is... I love their work. They do a really great series. Again, just talking about Rick Remender. Uh, Matteo Scalera worked with him on Black Science, a really great art style, which I think will really, really suit the aesthetic of White Knight. Uh, so blurb for this one, the Joker is dead, Bruce Wayne is behind barns, behind barns, behind bars, behind Buggy Barn. <laughs> that would be an interesting story. And <laughs> Gotham is just starting to redefine itself without Batman. As Harley Quinn struggles to adjust to her new life as the mother of Jack Napier's twins, an elusive mastermind called the Producer seizes the moment to assemble a crew of villains, starting with the Starlet, a serial killer who murders Gotham's Golden Age film stars in homage to their silver screen roles. When a recent gruesome crime scene suggests a connection to the Joker, the GTO and FBI agent Hector Quimby 
quote Quimby, turned to Harley as the one person with information that could crack the case. With some help from Bruce, Harley agrees to investigate, but to protect her children and her city from a fatal final act, Harley must flirt with madness and confront her own past. So, I think any expansion of the Murphyverse is a good thing. I think that White Knight and Curse of the White Knight were two very, very consistently great series, both in terms of art and storytelling, and, and even to a degree world building. You know, a certain amount of it has, you know, sort of built upon established tropes. But I think Murphy very much made Gotham his own, or his version of Gotham his own. So I would say that anyone who was on White Knight will probably jump on this anyway. Uh, I do have to say the pre-orders for it are strong. But what I tend to do at the store is, if a series is over, I'll take it off your pull list. Now, so just because you were on White Knight, don't assume that you'll be on this, because it is a separate series. So just if this is something that interests you, do get in touch and, uh, and let us know. Uh, there's also a rather gorgeous looking variant there by Mario Scalera as well. So, yeah, thoroughly looking forward to that. Any expansion of White Knight, I think, can only be a good thing. Uh, so, yeah, Batman White Knight presents Harley Quinn number one. And for my next one, I mean, for Vicky's next recommendation, <laughs> uh, we have a series from AWA. Now, I feel like we've been over this before, gentlemen. Uh, AWA is the series is the label artists, writers, and artisans, and this was launched by Axel Alonso, and has attracted great creators to it, such as Ollie Masters, Benjamin Percy, uh, John Lees, mm -hmm. and again, the this tends to be a smaller imprint. So again, if this is something that interests you, don't wait until it comes out and then zero year happens again. Sorry, year zero. I'll call it year the proper name yet. Uh, zero year was a Batman arc. Uh, <laughs> so this one is a series called American Ronin. This is written by Peter Milligan, uh, another industry veteran, uh, illustrated by ACO and colored by Dean White. Really striking cover for this one. This is going to be a five issue mini series, which to be honest, this is something AWA seem to be doing at the moment. They don't seem to be establishing long runs. You know, um, Year Zero is five issues, Hotel is four issues, um, I think Old Haunts is five issues. So with this one, five issues, war is over, democracy and illusion, real power now lies with the, not with the nation states, but huge corporations engaged in a silent war for global domination. Their number one weapon, highly skilled, technologically enhanced operatives trained since to pledge their allegiance to the corporate flag. But what happens when one such operative breaks free of his mental claims and decides to bring the whole system down? Can one Ronin really make a difference? So yeah, the sounds really cool, sort of genre piece. I think the preview art there is pretty pretty beautiful on that as well. Uh, all of the AWA titles as well, they're all getting Mike Diodato Jr. variant covers uh, with every release as well. So worth keeping a, an eye out for those, I would say. Have you guys been reading any of the AWA stuff? You know, zero, uh, um, year zero aside. Yeah. I think we're all yeah. on um, year zero. Yeah. Um, I have. Uh, I read the Resistance, but um, that was only the first one. I haven't actually picked up any of the others now, which may be my downfall. But what about you, Keith? No, I'm on. Uh, I'm on year zero. Um, I don't think I'm on any other AWA stuff. I've, I've certainly looked at stuff, Alan. Um, with the intention of, of either picking it up or, or picking it up in, in trade. But uh, 
just at the minute I've, I've got a, a fair bit going on in the pull list so uh <laughs> well it's kind of good as well just to you know yeah. jump on what you two gentlemen have been doing but also in this previews book are all the trades for some of those titles so ah. uh you're looking at october there's going to be the trade for the resistance the trade for year zero the trade for archangel eight which if you're a punisher fan i think you'd dig that uh, trade for Hotel, which is very much anthology horror. And then there's another great one, which I've really enjoyed. There's only one issue of it to go called Red Border. And the trade Oh, that was the one I was looking at, yeah. Yeah, the trade for it will be out as well. So, yeah, keep, keep an eye on AWA. I think their stuff is really interesting. And that, and, uh, that resistance, yeah. that's J. Michael Straczynski, isn't it? Yep, that is Straczynski. Well, it is indeed, Mike yeah. Mike Diodato Jr. Yeah. on art for it. So. Oh, well, you see, that's that's a fantastic team right there. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. But the the original recommendation there was American Ronin number one. Uh, how about yourself, Roddy? I'm guessing you're going to be going back to your indie love. What have you got for us next? Yeah, of course. Well, it's about by time. Spent too much time on Marvel and DC there. So now you've got it out of your system. I'm gonna go for one. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, yeah. So gonna go for one. Very much '80s inspired. Certainly one that Keith, I think, maybe should keep his eye on for this one. So I think it was in 2013, there was this company called, it's like Killer um, Killer Counterfeits or something, like an action figure right. uh, company. They made, they basically created this character called uh, the Phantom Star Killer. They, they made an action figure of him and sold it at the San Diego Comic-Con and have been doing like these kind of variants of it ever since. And if you look, if you look it up, just do like a Google image search of it and you'll find um, sort of like a, it's the same size as like, you know, a classic Star Wars or GI Joe figure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the art, the, the artwork they do, they do different art on them each time. And it's absolutely phenomenal stuff. Um, but I don't know if you look this this Phantom Star Killer himself. He's kind of he resembles something of a cross between Luke Skywalker and Skeletor. Yeah, right. Uh, hopefully, have to say no more to sell you this book. Yeah, um, I think I'll, yeah. I'll read you the I'll read you the blurb. So like seven. This is basically like seven years later. Um, Scott Comics are always doing stuff. I really enjoy little little mini series here and there with really interesting ideas. And this is in, um, they've got an imprint called black caravan, which is their kind of horror, horror label. Um, but it says for uncounted millennia, the crypto crystalline stone remained lost to the blackness of space hidden amongst the stars. As time passed, the galaxy slipped into greater peril. Thousands of systems fell and worlds crumbled. Dark and ominous beings conspire from the shadows to possess its unlimited power and ability to resurrect a legion of deathless warriors. From the vastness of unknown regions, whispers of his return paralyzed all in fear. Phantom Star Killer, the cosmic ghoul warrior, must now unleash all his inner darkness to carry out his master's wishes, all the while plotting his revenge, for he cannot stop his interstellar rampage until the curse has been broken. Sounds cheesy as, but mm-hmm. it looks phenomenal. The art looks great. I love the idea of it. Just like this really cool, like pulpy, pulpy at the same time, but it maybe in a different, 
very much more tongue-in-cheek sort of pulpy way um it's written by peter goral who i think runs that action figure company and joseph schmuck who's also done work for scout done a series called murder hobo which kind of i think is right up the same street as this book um yeah just it sounded like a bit of you know fun and action if you're if you're itching for that sort of 80s vibe of he-man and masters of the universe <laughs> and even star wars like a dark star wars you know it's all Sounds i just thought good. it was a class so yeah yeah cool fandom star killer i mean it it sounds like the kind of thing like a six-year-old would come up with or something doesn't it like combining two action figures into yeah. one you know and yeah. you were creating your own characters and you ripped the torso off one figure and the legs off another and put it together uh, but yes, Scout Comics have some interesting stuff like that, wasn't it? Scout who did Vlad the Dracul. That's Scout, isn't oh, it? Oh, really? I really enjoyed that, actually, yeah. The oh. Vlad, Vlad Dracul, like Dracula, was really, really good. And then looking forward to this one, the Forever Maps. Can't remember when it's coming out, but it, I think I feel we've talked about it a lot. And then oh, yeah, with the yeah. pandemic, it sort uh, of got delayed a wee bit, so I'm not too sure when it's coming out. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Vlad yeah, um, of on your recommendation, I have a copy of it sitting beside the bed, so I will uh, give that a little go at some point very soon. He's, uh, cool. he's a big boy too. He's a good, he's a good yeah, sixty pages. It, it felt thicker, so it did. You know, needed a slightly bigger bag on board for it. So important. Uh, cool. So that was Phantom Star Killer number one. Uh, that's another example of a sort of smaller press title so again pre-orders are, are pretty important on that kind of one uh, because they'll, they'll never do uh, pretty big print runs for it so uh, cool and how about yourself uh, Keith now that Roddy has returned to Indy and is feeling better about himself you know you may as well go back to Marvel yeah, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I'm going to... I know I previewed... We previewed uh, Amazing Spider-Man last month um, with Spider-Man 850, so we were uh, celebrating a, a landmark, but through the magic of a legacy numbering... Yes? Yes, we're uh, with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man 851... Is also Amazing Spider-Man fifty. It's almost like Marvel's a large. Wow! It's almost like Marvel or a big corporation that thought we could do two massive issues in a row. I would say they probably (laughs) found themselves with their legacy number in a corner and thought, "Oh, oh Jesus, (laughs) we have to do something." So, so anyway, but but, uh, there's not there's not uh, it doesn't seem to be a massive deal. I have to say, uh, the Amazing Spider-Man fifty, but. Uh, what what sort of pulled me towards it is obviously at this stage since Rising will have finished, but but uh, Nick Spencer is definitely definitely seems to be staying on the on the dark tip um, for this one. So we've got Patrick Gleason back on Amazing Spider Man as the uh, as the artist, uh, which is which is just great. I mean Gleason's art is is, is just beautiful. There's a, a lovely uh, variant cover of the Green Goblin. To uh, pumpkin bombs in hand by by Ian Lee. but what we're seeing here is the first uh, the first issue of an arc called Last Remains. Um, so it sounds fairly dark to start off with. As I say, we got Patrick Gleason in art, and it's a continuation of what's been happening since Rising by you know by by another name, I think. So Kindred, who is the is the the bad guy, the 
in uh, in since rising and has been behind a number of the the bad things that have been happening in Peter Parker's life of late. Um, seems to be stepping onto the stage for the first time, and Spidey is not going to be ready for the the havoc that Kindred is going to let loose now. I've already mentioned to you my feelings on who Kindred might be, um, so I'm not going to to reiterate there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just looks like it's going to be a, a real interest in uh, a real interest in running things, and I think. Marvel are doing this thing that they've done before. You remember during uh, Hunted, we had the the dot .hu issues, you know, so you had Spider-Man number 12 and then Spider-Man number 12 dot .hu. And in doing so, they effectively, they effectively by stealth um, had a, like a, a mini series, you know, or a, or a, or a, a limited series, you know. Um, well, they're doing exactly the same here. So, you know, and I'm and I'm not in the least wee bit worried about this because the the writers on the uh, on the HU title. So we've got Spider Man Fifty, which is the main title by Nick Spencer. Spider Man Fifty Dodge Dot LR Last Remains, uh, and that's going to be written by Matthew Rosenberg. So nothing to fear here. You know, Matthew Rosenberg and Nick Spencer, and then we've got the same. We've got Spider Man Fifty One by Nick Spencer. And then Spider Man Fifty One LR by Matthew Rosenberg and Nick Spencer. So, I mean, that's that that's not a bad thing. Whenever you're getting a wee bit of extra Matthew Rosenberg on Spider Man, nothing to complain about. Um, so yeah, it, it, I haven't really seen his name mentioned in a while, Keith. After he sort of stopped Punisher, I don't know what he's kind of been up to recently. Who, and Hawkeye what? Freefall too. Well, Matthew you know, Rosenberg. Yeah, yeah, there was that. There was the the uh, the Hawkeye Freefall. He was on Forceworks 2020. Uh, which was part of the Iron Man 2020 ah, stuff. Right. Um, so he has he was fairly busy there up until the the pandemic kicked in, and then unfortunately I think it looks like, but certainly the couple of the books that he was writing for Marvel get shifted to that digital only thing, and uh, maybe but I don't know if they're yeah, going to release yeah. those final issues. But but yeah, so so really it it, it seems to be a, a bit of a mini series by by stealth uh, with these dot LR books. But I mean they worked really well for Haunted. I think you remember um, Alan. Yeah, the hunted uh, issues yes. were great because oh, yeah. didn't Nick Spencer yeah. write all of those as well? So again, it was mm. the creator for that event. But you know, the it, it still sticks in the memory that issue with the Gibbon, which was just yeah, absolutely wonderful, <laughs> wonderfully heartbreaking. Um, so it looks like it looks like what the dot lr dish issues are doing are they're they're taking the last remains story, but they seem to be using the the other spider heroes, you know, Miles Morales and. Uh, and uh, Ghost Spider and Silk and Spider Girl and Spider Woman, um, all as as part of this as well. So, uh, so yeah, so uh, yeah, more Spider Man, more Matthew Rosenberg. I'm, I, I'm happy enough. I mean, and, and, uh, yeah, the the whole Spider Man at fifty, Spider Man Legacy, fifty nonsense aside, you know, it, I'd say it's still going to be a, a a solid enough um, a solid enough story. The uh, the dot LR books, the artist in those is uh, Federico uh, Vincentini, so uh, something to look forward to there. So, well, That's I will me. I will happily make you even happier by letting you know that Marvel have decided to relent, and some of those books that move to digital 
are actually now going to be printed. So Hawkeye, oh, yeah. Hawkeye Free Fall 5 and 6 are going to be printed. Oh. Uh, they're due out in the next little while. That was definitely the, the biggest casualty for me. Uh-huh, I, I know, agree. I know you were disappointed to see Valkyrie J.M. Foster go to digital. I believe it's coming back to print as well. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Ravencroft, and I'm sure you're very delighted to know Revenge of the Cosmic Ghost Rider is also <laughs> yeah, I, can, I can i can take that alongside that other good news you've given me uh cool so yeah that was amazing spider-man 851 or issue 50 if you're feeling uh the the newer numbering <laughs> system shall we say uh yeah so back on to the indie stuff for myself uh, i don't really know how much to say about this next title because to be honest you're either going to get it or you're not uh they robert kirkman is someone who Loves playing with the industry, loves the industry in general, you know, all things comics. He's obviously recently given us the wonderful Firepower. He had fun with the mystery title when it was released, which was Die, Die, Die. Uh, he's done great work on Outcast. He launched Oblivion Song. You know, the man loves comics and his undoubted hit, although maybe Keith would say it's invincible, his other undoubted hit is The Walking Dead. Now, The Walking Dead surprised everybody and ended at issue 193. Kirkman was really clever and even solicited covers for 194, 195, 196, just to throw everybody off the scent. I believe we talked about them on this very podcast, we, so he took us into. He did. We did indeed. I think we even recommended them. Now, hopefully this one is not a prank. We're past April 1st, so hopefully we're all good. But what they're actually going to be doing is starting The Walking Dead all over again uh, with what they're calling The Walking Dead Deluxe. What this is going to be is The Walking Dead from the very start. Uh, with one key difference in that it's going to be in color the walking dead has always been very famously um it's always stuck to its black and white uh, color scheme it was always depicting sort of a, a dark world a <clears throat> a horrible world to live in so the black and white aesthetic certainly suited it they have toyed with the idea of coloring it before i think it was the 10th anniversary edition of number one they released this sort of a special one-off color issue but what they've been doing behind the scenes is an artist, uh, sorry, a colorist called Dave McCaig has been secretly coloring all of the Walking Dead issues. And apparently he has 4,000 pages in at this point, which if you think of it as a you know 32-page book, that means he's around 130 issues in at the moment. So he's, he's well ahead of the game. So there shouldn't be any sort of delays or anything. But what they're doing here is they're going to release it fortnightly right from the start. <clears throat> So this is a, a perfect opportunity to get into The Walking Dead. It's I, you know I've had conversations with a few different customers in the store, and I can see both sides of the argument here. This would be an eight-year commitment to get all of it, uh, and some people think that that is obviously way too long. But the other side of the argument is that you know you sometimes look at those Walking Dead compendiums, and they're massive, and you think, God, I have to set aside so much time to read all of this, and you know, it's, it's actually quite off-putting, the, the sheer scale of it. So maybe having something released on a fortnightly schedule is a much more easily digestible way of doing it. And the fact that they're being released in color as well, I think might attract a new audience because just as much as there are people, and unfortunately one of those people are, is, is a, a family member, my brother refuses to watch a black and white movie. He just flat out refuses. If it's not in color, he's not interested. <laughs> So this might actually interest people who were maybe put off by the black and white nature of The Walking Dead. Uh, so yeah, it's kicking off on October 7th. Uh, it's going to be, as I say, fortnightly releases. 
And one thing that they do say, but I can guarantee you this will change. One thing they do say is that the these deluxe issues will not be collected in any sort of trade paperback form or hardcover <laughs> anytime soon. What that basically means is a year from now they'll they'll, they'll put them together. But that's like um, only in cinemas. Yeah, and then it's DVD five months later. Yeah, yeah. this is this actually presents an interesting conundrum for me because I've never read The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and I still don't know what to do because. Um, I can actually remember who was talking about it when I was in the store on Saturday there. And, do you know, in your head, like, I love black and white movies, love black and white comics. But I've just never got, got around to The Walking Dead. But then, two, like, eight years, every two weeks, is there anything else in them, like bonus things, or is it just the comics? I think it's just the comics, to be honest. I'm, I'm sure you'll get letter columns and you'll get maybe the odd little editorial from Kirkman and maybe some behind-the-scenes process stuff. But but I would say, by and large, what you're paying for here is just the story, which, to be honest, is yeah. one of the defining comic series of mm, very much. ever, to be honest. Yeah, uh, for any, any series to go as long as it did. And, yeah. you know, I, I like The Walking Dead TV show, but I love The Walking Dead comic. Agreed. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it, it presents an interesting conundrum for me as well, Roddy, because I collected The Walking Dead entirely in uh, Image Six Issue Trades. So, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've got the entire story in trade. Uh, so it's whatever, however many 30-some volumes, you know. Um I, I think it works great in black and white. Uh, I really do, but I don't have single issues. I, I you know what? I'm prob I'm I'm certainly going to pick up the first one, uh, first couple, mm-hmm. see how it goes. I don't I don't know. Maybe maybe color won't lend itself. You know, maybe the stark black and white, you know, works well yeah. for the stark story, the starkness of the story. I'm I'm just not sure. Um, so I'll, I'm I'm certainly gonna gonna give it a whirl anyway, uh, even just for the for the novelty of the thing. But I can't I can't see me sticking at it for eight years. But that said, would I go ahead and read me trades again? Of course I would. So maybe I don't, I don't know. See here's the conundrum we were talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, certainly what's interesting about <laughs> it for the first maybe twelve issues anyway, you had a different artist, you had Tony Moore, and then it was Charlie Adler that took over, and then. You know, was consistent as gravity, never missed an issue, was never late with an issue. But their art styles are a little different. I would argue that maybe Tony Moore's is a little bit more detailed. Uh, but Charlie Adler's, you know, lent itself perfectly as well. So, again, it's it's a curiosity thing for me. And it might just give me an excuse to read it all again. Because, similar to you, Keith, I mean, I, I read it start to finish. I, I committed a lot of time to it already. But it was brilliantly put together. And... It might even be an interesting almost experiment to read it knowing that there is an end point. Because when we both started reading The Walking Dead, there was no mention of it being finished anytime soon. You know, you just kept going with it and it almost We knew we knew we were getting UFOs and aliens by issue twelve though. Well, this is true, you know. (laughs) What a pitch man Robert Kirkman was. Maybe that's what he's gonna put into these ones, you know. It wouldn't surprise me if if if, you know after the first issue or the second issue, it went off in a completely different direction from the entire series. <laughs> Knowing what he's like, you're not. You're probably not wrong. 
Um, but yeah, I the pre-orders again are strong in this one, and and I think it presents a good opportunity to people who, you know, The Walking Dead's one of those examples of you know that speculator market and. You know, Walking Dead number one, you pay thousands of pounds for now just to own it. So even just for the novelty of having a Walking Dead number one, I think a lot of people will probably collect it. So, uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'll jump on it. And I kind of miss that regularity that we had with a Walking Dead issue would come once a month. And it was it's almost like a comfort blanket for the industry or something. You just, you knew there was always a new issue of the Walking Dead coming, you know. So uh, that's that's a way to replicate that, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, so that's the the Walking Dead Deluxe. If you're interested in that, you know you'll probably be uh, at least you'll probably be nearly a decade older by the time you finish reading it. But and, uh, you know the other thing that's worth was worth mentioning is if if you weren't around for the start and you haven't read the Walking Dead, now's your chance. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. So, but yeah, Walking Dead Deluxe number one, bring it on fortnightly releases. So that was my fourth pick. Uh, Vicky's fourth pick was a Marvel title, which was a new uh, miniseries, I believe, for Black Widow. This is called Black Widow, Widow Sting. Uh, this will always throw me. See, when I see writer Ralph Macchio, and I realize that it's not the Craddy Kid. You see, you know, this was this was a thing back at back in the day. In fact, I think there was a... There was that that was brought up in letters pages, whatever, because I mean he was a he was a a Marvel writer in the in the eighties and early nineties, and mm-hmm. uh, at the time that the Karate Kid was was big news, you know, not that it's not because the Cobra Kai series remains fucking class, <laughs> <laughs> but but um, yeah, definitely they are. Ralph Macchio. So yeah, that's the writer, not the Karate Kid. Uh, artist on this is Simone Buenfantino. And this is a miniseries, I believe. I think it's going to be... In fact, just looking through it, it says it's going to be a one-shot, which is interesting. Uh, so, something stirring in the criminal underworld. Magia boss Silvermane is making his move. S.H.I.E.L.D. has sent an agent in to investigate. But they've disappeared. It's time to call in the heavy hitters. It's time to call in the Black Widow. And the plan Natasha Romanoff will uncover is far deadlier than any of them realised. Don't miss this all-new tale from the dangerous, deep-cover days of the Black Widow. So that's obviously being released with the idea of coinciding around the eventual release of the Black Widow movie. So it might be an interesting one. One shots are always cool for that kind of stuff. You can, you know, you have a bit of freedom to it. You're not asking people to, you know, subscribe for six issues or ten issues or twelve issues, that kind of thing. So little one and dones like that can sometimes be really good introductions for characters so they can. So uh, that might be one if you're interested in the, the Black Widow movie. If it ever gets released, that is. And uh, <laughs> this is this is Black Widow's True Believers Month at Marvel as well, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, so that'll be all your your pound issues, all your reprints of classic stories. We'll always get those into the store. They're they're great little sort of again one offs and important issues, and they're they're cheaper ways of maybe getting people into comics as well, which is always nice to have that choice there, you know. I think I noticed that uh, that a couple of them. You've got one for uh, Red Guardian and one for Dark Star, who are uh, I think featured in the in the Black Widow movie. Uh, as you say, when it when it eventually gets released, I'm, I was just saying to Bruno today, <laughs> when are we going to get to see that movie? When are we going to get the cinema to see a Marvel movie again? <laughs> we were so spoiled with like two to three a year for a decade, and now it's just like no. Now that the old guard has come and gone, you know, where we don't have a comic book movie to look forward to with a definitive release date, <laughs> unfortunately. 
Um, cool. So that was Black Widow Widow's Sting number one. Uh, Roddy has went off piste with our order, so let's see if we know what his next uh, next one is. Ooh. He's worried. Scarantoed, number one. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> what, what do you mean off piste? I know the plan. We had it in order. <laughs> Scarantoed should have followed American Ronan. And now he's checking nah, the running order. Nah, you've like, got it wrong. Nah, you've got it wrong. <laughs> Tell it's us about Scarantoed then. Back to back to winging it. Um, <laughs> so this one, this one looks really interesting. So we've we've seen in the past IDW. You know they're they're obviously more known for their their licensed properties. Your Transformers, your GI Joes, My Little Pony. Back to the Future, pretty much everything you can think of. Star Trek to loads, loads and loads and loads of licenses. But over the past year or two, we've seen loads of really interesting like miniseries develop. We've had Pandemica, Road of Bones, um, the John. I can't remember the John Lee's ones off the top of my head. Mountain Mountainhead. Head. That's it. Thank you. Um, yeah, just loads of great wee miniseries that really just like they have great creators maybe not the the biggest name creators but you know certainly creators to keep your eye on and this one this one comes from a a transformers veteran artist called nick roche it's also an irish guy too really nice guy actually alan and i did you talk to him at the belfast comic marts when it was the transformers theme yeah yeah he seems, seems like a really nice bloke um and then so this is written and illustrated by nick himself and then we have chris o'halloran doing the colors as well um so this this one seemed really good i still i still cannot work out if it is for kids like a goosebumps thing or if it's gonna turn out to be really really dark and twisted but i'll read you the blurb anyway so to-do list drop kids off at preschool grab coffee with other parents go ghost hunting in the woods fight demonic entity collect kids Nap time. With their kids away on a field trip, a group of parents disturbs an ancient evil buried beneath an old church hall, unearthing a decades-old mystery about a missing child and inviting something hungry into their lives. Suddenly, their mornings go from playdates and peanut allergies to a battle for the souls of a broken family and one child in particular. What scares you the most? Fighting demons or letting your kids down? So, sounds really interesting. Sounds like a really nice sort of balance between horror and like exploring the family dynamic i guess but yeah i really i've really loved nick roche's work before love transformers all the stuff he does and then chris o'halloran's like a, a world-renowned colorist um did ice cream man did folklords as well which we talked about loads I think he did folklords um but yeah looking forward to this one but as i say it's a it's a one one of four this one is, and it's in stores on October 21st, just in time for Halloween too. So a lot of Halloween-y themed things going on. Yeah, so yeah I'm maybe still sounds all... maybe sounds a bit Stranger Thingsy, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely, definitely could be that direction. But I'm considering the other, considering Road of Bones and Mountainhead. I'm like, it's probably going to be really messed up, but. The fact that it's about kids, it says it's about kids. I'm like, is is there a market for like, is it supposed to be like a goosebumpsy market here? What are they going for? So, I don't really know. Only only time will tell in October, anyway. 
Yeah, the the preview sort of cover art looks pretty cool for it. I would imagine it's probably aiming for that sort of later teen and above audience rather than younger teen. Uh, I would say yeah. maybe maybe a Stranger Thingsy type crowd, but uh, or an it, you know, that sort of that sort of age range. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that's going to be four issues. I'm going to be jumping on that myself. I just love the design of the cover A alone. It almost looks like a sort of pamphlet you would find in a dentist's or something like that. Uh, I just really, really like the design of it. Uh, I have to say, I really stand. I think that'll really stand out on the racks, you know, compared to you know some of the other stuff on yeah. there. Uh, cool. So that was Scarantid number one. That's going to be a four issue mini series. Uh, how about you, Keith? Give us one more then before we jump into our titles of the month. Sweet. I'm sticking with Marvel for this one, and uh, it's another sort of, I guess, an anniversary type. Uh, I guess it is a jump on a jump on issue, and it's a jump on issue for Marvel's first family, uh, the Fantastic Four, who will in October be undergoing new major permanent status quo changes, um, just in time for the celebratory twenty fifth issue uh, of Dan Slott's run on the book. So, um, the the solicitation is in real Stanley style. This issue has it all. New artists, new villains, new uniforms, and a new major permanent status quo change for Marvel's first family. All this in an appearance by Doctor Doom, one of the most important characters in the entire cosmos, returns from the dead and a major turning point in the history of the Fantastic Four. Great entry point for readers. So, in fact, it is a great entry point for readers. So, mm. um, just, just talking about those things that they've announced one by one, uh, great news because the new artist they're talking about is R.B. Silva of Powers of X fame. Uh, you know, and uh, Jimmy Olsen, I think he was on that as well. Yep. So, uh, and uh, he's on the Empire Fantastic Four uh, number one as well. So that's never a bad thing. So Dan Slott and R.B. Silva. The new villains are a bit of a mystery. However, there's a promised appearance by Doctor Doom in this issue and... Um, you know, with the Empire event sort of just concluding prior to this issue, there are a few suspects, but we'll not go into them without, uh, you know, for fear of spoiling anything. Um, the new uniforms look like they've gone from, I guess, blue on black to black on blue. Um, and there's a, a bit of a belt thing and there's a bit of a, I guess there's a nearly like a, a rebirth style liney thing going on in some of the uniforms. Um and as for the major permanent new status quo change, um, I guess it's hard to say. It says that uh, two lives uh, will be changed forever. Um, there's some speculation that that could be the children of the Fantastic Four, uh, Val and Franklin. Um, but uh, how they'll be forever changed or what's going on, uh, I'm not quite sure. And and lastly, you know, who is this most important character in the entire cosmos who is returning from the dead not sure but it uh, looks like there's a lot going on in fantastic 425 i mean i i would love to see fantastic fantastic four has sort of been the maybe the poor child you know the of, of the the marvel sort of lineage for for a quite some time you know what i mean and that's that's sad to see because you know they are marvel's first family they are like a, a core superhero team you know that started it all so i'd love to see them re-elevated to that to that importance, you know. Um, so I, you it know, was X Men for a while, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And these things go round and round. You know, Avengers has been, you know, despite the fact that it is the premier super team of the Marvel universe, has been, and despite the fact they've got, 
Jason Aaron writing, you know, I mean, it, it never has, has, you know, in the same way as Justice League isn't, you know, there's a lot of, of books mm-hmm. that are a lot more important, you know, or seemingly so. So, uh, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's Fantastic Four's turn. Um, but uh, this is a this seems to be a great jumping on point for new readers. Dan Slott is a fantastic writer for this book. R. B. Silva on the art and the cover just looks fantastic by by Mark Brooks. So, uh, yeah, Fantastic Four twenty five, give it a shot. Yeah, Marvel and their important numbers this uh, this month with their Amazing yeah. Spidey fifty and Fantastic twenty five. <laughs> Sure, when did we? It's been a long time, I think, since we paid any attention to the numbers, is it? <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, cool. So that was Fantastic Four number 25. So we're going to be moving on now to our pick of the month. So this is a case of if there is literally one book that you know each of us think that you shouldn't miss this month, these are our top picks. No one will be surprised in the slightest what my top pick is. <laughs> it ticks every box you can think of. It is a brand new number one for DC. It is a black label title. It is written by Tom King. It is art by Jorge Fornes. And it has to do with the Watchmen universe. Sold. Uh, this is a title that has the Tom King's been teasing for a little while. He originally put up a picture a few months ago. And I believe it was Jorge Fornes had drawn uh, Rorschach. And he just wrote a project like Coming Soon or something like that. And that was it. And then you heard nothing for absolutely months. And then they just recently announced it, and it is Rorschach number one, which is going to be a 12-issue miniseries. The first thing I'll say is, obviously I'm a Tom Keen fan, so I'll give anything he writes certainly a go, but the first reason that I'm actually excited about this is not necessarily because of that. It's because of how good the Watchmen TV show was. Watchmen is one of those properties that no one will ever understand it as well as Alan Moore. You know, he created it. He threw himself into it and, you know, there's there was always a bitter break when, you know, he never got the rights back. It's one of the most underhanded deals DC ever did, <clears throat> which was essentially if Watchmen ever dropped out of circulation or print runs for over a year, he would get the rights back. And given the runaway success it's been for 30 years, it's never going to happen. DC are always going to put it out there and Alan Moore refuses to have anything to do with them. But... When the Watchmen TV show came along, I had I had a, a modicum of interest in it. I saw some trailers. I was like, I didn't even know what it was about. Then you had Damon Dam- Lindelof. Then you had yeah. Damon Lindelof getting involved. <laughs> I'm a big Lost fan, so I was thinking, right, they're making the right noises here. And then the casting looked interesting, and you saw Jeremy Irons, and he looked like an older Ozymandias based on his, uh, you know, uh, costume. So. I I held back on it for a while and people kept saying it was great and then we let all nine episodes pile up and then we burned through that show. It was spectacular. It was thought-provoking. It was deep. It shone a light on modern society. Has there ever been a more timely show? Probably not. I mean, the, the... I mean, if you'd have held that show back six months, people would have said it was written as a result of real-world problems when it was actually uh-huh. written just before it. Uh, you know, it explored race in America, it explored the dark history of a country, you know, the, the unknown history in some senses. So the Watchmen TV show was exceptional and it showed that you could play around in that universe if you did it with enough care and enough skill and, you know, it, it was exceptional. So when Rorschach came along and, you know, it's written by Tom Keane, who we all know I'm a big, big fat Keane fanboy, so it's fine. 
Uh, I was very excited about this. Then I saw the cover, and it looked like an old pulpy novels from the 70s, like a paranoid thriller, like a, sort of a movie poster for a Robert Redford movie or something from the 70s. Jorge Fornes is an artist I love as well. Uh, and then the uh, the blurb came out for it, and it just sounded really, really interesting. So for this one, uh, it's been 35 years since Ozymandias dropped a giant interdimensional squid on New York City, killing thousands and destroying the public's trust in heroes once and for all. And since that time, one figure in a fedora, mask, and trench coat has become a divisive culture icon. So what does it mean when Rorschach reappears as an assassin trying to kill a candidate running against President Robert Redford? Who is the man behind the mask, and why is he acting this way? It's up to one detective to uncover the true identity of this would-be killer, and it will take him into a web of conspiracies involving alien invasions, disgraced do-gooders, mystic visions, and yes, comic books. Writer Tom Keane joins forces with artist Jorge Fornes for a new miniseries that explores the mythic qualities of one of the most compelling characters from the best-selling graphic novel of all time, Watchmen. 12 issues, this is where Tom Keane excels for me. His maxi-series, whether it be Mr. Miracle, uh, really, really digging Strange Adventures at the moment. The vision was fantastic. This, ha this ticks all the boxes for me. I really can't wait for this. It's... Pre-orders are through the roof on this already, uh, even before it hits previews, when it was just you know a small amount, an announcement on Twitter, people have been getting in touch about this book, and it did recently hit headlines for the wrong reasons, which I'm not going to go into here, this is not the forum for it, uh, but there is a cover A by Jorge Fornes and a variant cover by Jay Lee, I'll leave you to look into the sorted uh, other story on the go here. But uh, Mistakes happen, mistakes happen. But as a title, cannot wait really really looking forward to this so yeah i mean is there any is there any consideration as to uh doomsday clock in this does it matter i don't think so i think the further we get away from doomsday clock the more that i hate to say you were right keith and that it was a beautiful series of one shots that promised a lot and maybe ultimately although it delivered a satisfying story to me it didn't really have massive lasting repercussions mm. uh we're seeing bits and pieces here and there in metal and in flash forward yeah, but yeah. it certainly wasn't the all-out extravaganza that was promised and i think part of that was obviously the problems with the release scheduling what i'm i'm liking about rorschach is that they sort of hinted at this six months ago so they're well ahead of the game this should be a consistent yeah. release Hopefully they've learned from their mistakes, uh, but I don't don't think it has any relation to Doomsday Clock. But I could be wrong. On you that. never know. And I mean, without without getting into any sort of the the, the now past controversy, Jay Lee's a fantastic artist. Um, I loved. He, he did a lot of work for Marvel on the Dark Tower adaptions. Yeah, the Gunslinger stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Gunslinger stuff, the adaptations, and the continuation of that that series so there's a lot of those gunslinger books that are that fall between uh, you know the the dark tower comics that fall between or tell different stories or further stories of that world and uh, jay lee's art on that and the covers were just phenomenal really twisted and and uh, just real just exactly what that book needed and i think it's probably i mean that that cover is going to be lovely as well so yeah, and I mean, it's not his first foray into the Watchmen universe either because when they did the sort of ill-fated before Watchmen series, uh, he was actually the artist on the Ozymandias book. So he was. Uh -huh. uh, I think off the top of my head, I'm just confirming this now, but I think off the top of my head, it was Len Wein that wrote it. And 
Um, Jay Lee did the art on it, and it was actually okay. it was actually one of the. Uh, yep, my comic knowledge is correct. That is good. I have not made a fool of myself. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the better before watching. Before watching was very uneven, but Ozymandias and the Silk Spectre stories, and also the Moloch two two shot, were all very mm-hmm. very good. Uh, there was a Rorschach series back then that was quite underwhelming, but uh, with this one just being its own individual release, my hopes are very, very high for this. So, yeah, again, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. I mean, whenever you think about it, I mean, although the Owl is the most bad looking character of the Watchmen, Rorschach is definitely the most bad feeling of the uh, of the Watchmen. Yeah. Uh, so Tom King, who is you know has is the the consummate bat writer of the past few years on Rorschach, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that is my pick for title of the month from the August previews book, and that is Rorschach number one. Uh, I'll just jump in quickly with what Vicky's pick of the month was, and to be honest, this is a pick of the month that I think one of us was always going to make. Absolutely. Uh, Roddy had alluded earlier to the fact that in the indie books that a major Hollywood star was throwing his weight behind a new comic book, and it also seems to be setting a new precedent for uh, actors getting involved with comic books that are potentially setting up movies down the line for themselves. Uh, So this one is... Quote, for fans of Wolverine and John Wick, uh, this is called Berserker, number one, or to give it its proper title, B-R-Z-R-K-R, essentially Berserker with no vowels. And the reason this got so much traction in the last month or two is because it is co-written by Keanu Reeves, John Wick himself. Neo himself. Um, it's also that is most excellent. That is most excellent, as is the Bill and Ted movie coming soon. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> So it's written by him, but it's also he's got a an industry, you know, dab hand to co-write it with him, which is Matt Kint. And then this is illustrated by Alessandro Viti. The preview art for this has been pretty damn great so far. I love the main cover as well. Raphael Grampa, who was the artist on Dark Knight Returns, Golden Child. So the blurb for this one is Discover the next blockbuster action franchise from Kenny Reeves in his must-read comic book writing debut alongside Matt Kint, he of Folklords and Bang. An acclaimed artist, Alessandro Viti, who worked on uh, Secret Warriors, a Marvel title. In a brutally violent new series about one immortal warriors, Keith Sold, he heard the word immortal, uh, (laughs) fight through the ages. The man known only as Berserker is half mortal and half god, cursed and compelled to violence, even at the sacrifice of his sanity. But after wandering the world for centuries, Berserker may have finally found a refuge, working for the US government to fight the battles too violent and too dangerous for anyone else. In exchange, Berserker will be granted the one thing he desires, the truth about his endless blood-soaked evidence, and how to end it. So, yeah, it, it sounds really cool. I mean, my I remember when this announcement got made, I got messages consistently at the store, you know, get it on the pull list, this is going to be the comic of the year. I mean, Kenny Reeves, at his, at his base level, he is a big geek. You know, he loves sci-fi. He lo- He's talked about his love for comics before. So this could be really, really interesting. I mean, and it is really no coincidence that the main character looks exactly like him. This is probably going to be a movie franchise down the line, I would say. Uh, have you listened to, uh, there was a, an episode of the uh, Stegman and his Amazing Pre- Friends podcast mm-hmm. where Donny Cates talks about the moment that he met or the time that he met Keanu Reeves. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They met to talk about a project. Uh, you know, it's a, it's actually a really funny story, really endearing story. You know, uh, yeah, I think this will be a, I think this will be a, a good book. But I mean, 
whenever I hear, uh, you know, half mortal, half god, the first person I think of is Hercules. So I'm going to call it now Berserker is Hercules. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Come back right. to this podcast in a few months' time. <laughs> uh, regardless of that it just looks like a really fun genre piece it looks over the top it looks like it'll be a fun time so again pre-orders for this are very very strong so i would uh i would get on that so that is berserker number one uh so if just uh roddy what is your pick of the month what marvel book have you chosen uh i have not picked a marvel book i love how confused picked... you sounded there <laughs> What are you trying to do to it's me, like, Alan? What? <laughs> um, you know, maybe someday. Maybe someday. Um, Tears in my eyes. Yeah, so I'm going to... Oh, sorry. Sorry, Keith. So I'm going to go for something completely different um, from those first two. Uh, we're starting with um, a Image Comics original graphic novel called Blue in Green. And it's from writer Ram V, artist Anna Darke, and letterer Adia Bidikar. And that was the creative team from Graffiti's Wall, which is an amazing comic, which is, um, I think it's going to be re-released by Dark Horse, or maybe has been re-released already. And this one's called Blue and Green, and it's a story about artistic ambition and frustration. And uh, this one, I love the cover. The cover just kind of sold me immediately. It's um, a musician sort of trapped within the circle of a vinyl record. It's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, this one, Ram V is someone I'm always kind of following, although I need to check out his uh, DC Justice League Dark Run. And Very much so. A few of his cat- yeah, and a few of his Catwoman issues as well. So um, anything like, any comic about music I'm always kind of really interested in and this one's about jazz and it kind of the story which is um the story kind of reminded me of um I don't know if you've heard of the Robert Johnson sort of legends you know where he went down to the crossroads to sell his soul to the devil yeah um so it sounds like a bit of that and then um but it also has a horror twist so i'm really interested by that i saw a really cool quote that said if you've ever inflicted some manner of struggle upon yourself in the hopes that it may elevate your artistic ability you'll see a part of yourself in this story um whether that reflection is beautiful or horrific is the question so really interested in knowing about this really interested in seeing a bit more of the art um by Anad Arke is utterly stunning. Um, if you look at Graffiti's Wall, and then if you you look at this, I do, you probably don't think it's the same person. It's very, um, this one's very, um, what do you call him? Um, Dave McKean and Bill Sinkovich, you know? Mm-hmm. So really, really excited for this. If you look at Graffiti's Wall, it's very, it's, beautiful cartoony almost so the absolute depth and the artistic field on this one and the creativity behind it sounds really good so really interested in it and it's an original graphic novel i'm pretty sure it's not an advanced solicit i think it's october yeah for definitely alan can confirm that yep october 20th so love it just i just love anything creative like that 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 tries to explore something a bit more artistic so yeah looking forward to it 
Yeah, sounds pretty great. And I mean, we we always look at the previews books and have a look at the, you know, if you like this, you'll love this. In the previews book, this basically says, if you like the twisted psychological horror of Gideon Falls and the, against the dark atmospheric backdrop similar to Witches. Oh, yeah. So I think that... Um, do you know, do you know what right. I thought, actually? It, it, um, it reminded me, the art style reminds me a bit of Philadelphia and then all the talk of horror and like kind of... I'm sure this jazz one kind of has a historic element to it, so maybe, maybe it's for fans of Philadelphia as well. Yeah, I was going to everyone. I, I was going to say that looking <laughs> at the preview pages, it looks like a sun-kissed version of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Philadelphia yeah. is all shadows and at night and darkness, whereas this is sort of that you know sun-bleached, really hot day. Everyone's a little bit on edge because of the heat, you know that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think the preview pages there are awesome and. Again, it, it goes back to what we always say about following creators. I mean, I'm I'm the same. Anything Ram V sort of has in the pipeline at the moment has my attention. So I'll, I'll be picking this one up myself, I think, as well. So, yeah, cool. That is Blue and Green, an original graphic novel by Ram V and Anand RK. So why don't you finish us off then, Keith, with your pick of the month? I get to finish. That's nice. Um have either of you uh, heard of a novel by the name of Dune? I have never read Dune. I have only watched the David Lynch movie, which right he himself. Hates. I've never, I've never read it or seen the film. So right. Well, I mean, apologies. We... Please revoke my. Not at all. Not at all. So, <laughs> so Dune was a it's a science fiction, hard science fiction novel uh, that was originally written in 1965 by Frank Herbert. Uh, it is a fantastically intricate uh, novel. Explores multi layered interactions of politics and religion and ecology. I was I was studying ecology at the time I first read it and it really it really does that. Technology, human emotions and empire and all of those things. So it's set in the distant future, um, amidst a, a feudal sort of interstellar society. There's all these noble houses that control these planetary fiefs. And Dune tells the story of a young boy called Paul Atreides, whose family accepts the the stewardship of the planet Arrakis, otherwise known as Dune. It's a desert planet. It's inhospitable. It's sparsely populated, the desert wasteland. But it is the only source in the universe of uh, a substance called uh, melange or the spice. It's a drug that extends life and it enhances mental abilities and it's necessary for space navigation, which requires this kind of multi-dimensional awareness and foresight that only that drug can provide. Um, Since the spice is only produced in Arrakis, control of the planet is very, very important. It's coveted, it's dangerous. And and Paul's family, his father, are, 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 they, they do that. They're, they're, they're asked to do that. There's a whole lot of politics involved. There's uh, stories of the indigenous people on the planet, uh, the Fremen, uh, Paul effectively is uh, is there becomes their messiah. Uh, the 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 uh, Quisats Hadarak or some such thing. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a mystical weirding way in the background, and it, it's it's really really uh, intricate stuff. Um, there is a new film adaptation uh, directed by uh, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, it's scheduled was scheduled for release. In December, uh, it starred Timothy Chalamet uh, and an all-star cast. 
it is, I think, without a doubt, going to be the biggest movie of the year. Uh, at, at the 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 trailer is, I think, released. The first shots or the first trailer is going to be released next week, uh, and I cannot wait to see it because that's going to show the tone of the whole thing. I mean, this is this is uh, one of the science fiction novels. Um, you know, groundbreaking. It's it's it defines the genre. Uh, so, and and. You were going to say something about David Lynch's adaptation of the movie, there, Alan. Oh no, just I'm I'm a big David Lynch fan, and uh, uh-huh. he was brought on to do brought on to do Dune following the success of both Eraserhead and then the Oscar-winning Elephant Man, and he was brought on board to do it, and he really enjoyed making it, and then it hit the editing studio, and all creative control was essentially wrestled away from him. His original uh-huh. uh, cut of the movie was approaching five hours. Uh-huh. And they basically said, no, it needs to be a two-hour movie, and that's it. David Lynch actually hates the movie so much now, he doesn't even want his name on it. Um, there's apparently a mythical assembly cut out there somewhere. I mean, you know how oh, much... Oh, not another one! You know how much I love a director's cut. Uh, no, no, stop but, there, please. But Dune, <laughs> in its normal state, there's yeah. there are... There are moments of brilliance in it, and there's great design in it, and and know, there's Sting, and there's, and there's Patrick Stewart, and there's um, Kyle MacLachlan, and, and, and it's yeah. it's it's actually really well cast, and there was a lot of potential there. If only they'd released the Lynch cut. Yes, well, I said. <laughs> Hashtag released Lynch cut. <laughs> uh, so the, this movie, this upcoming movie, Timothy Chalamet's playing Paul Atreides. We've also got Josh Brolin in the cast, Dylan Skarsgård, Dave Bautista, uh, Zendaya. Um, Jason Momoa, Javier Bardem. Uh, so you've got an all-star cast here as well. Uh, this is going to be be something else, but it's not the movie that I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> Despite that or, long intro, or, or in fact uh, the novel, um, it is. Uh, and the reason that I'm so excited about this is this is the first this is the first sniff of uh, of the movie, um, and the first. I guess comic adaption in a long time of uh, of any sort of Dune like stuff. So, um, so this is a series uh, from Boom Studios. Uh, you know uh, how much good stuff Boom are doing at the minute. Uh, you know we don't we don't even have to talk about it. But uh, the book the book I want to mention is Dune House of Trades, which is a twelve issue comic book series set to arrive October twenty twenty. Um, it's written by Brian Herbert, who is the son of Frank Herbert, the author, and Kevin J. Anderson. Those guys co-wrote uh, all of the prequels and all of the sequels to the original uh, Dune series, uh, and so it's it's sort of fitting that they've they've you know adapted this this prequel into a, into a comic book. Um, the author in it, the author, the artist in it is uh, Dev Pravnik, and there is a fantastic variant cover by our favorite Dan Mora. From once in future um so yeah it looks like you know there's going to be feuding noble houses and and all of that good stuff uh i mean i think i've said enough about about dune that you can you can if you didn't already know what it's about you can figure out what this is going to be about it's a prequel to the movie uh whether that be the the new movie the old movie or the original the original book um so the, the art just looks fantastic it's set years before the events of the original novel it uh, transports readers to the far future desert planet of Arrakis. Uh, you know, there, Pardo Keynes seeks the original ecological secrets in remote, desolate regions of the alien world. 
Uh, meanwhile, the son of the emperor is planning a violent coup, and far away, an eight-year-old slave named Duncan Idaho seeks to escape his cruel master. Duncan Idaho will be familiar to uh, watchers of the movie or readers of the book. At the same time, a young man named Leto Atreides begins a fateful journey that will end on the planet of Arrakis in the original novel. So, uh, yeah, just looks fantastic, sounds fantastic, and uh, most of all, it's it's the first sniff of... Uh, of excitement at, at what is sure to be a fantastic uh, adaption of of the book. Um, yeah, there you go. June House of Trades, number one of 12 from Boom Studios. Yeah, just Boom continue, just to release exciting content. Obviously, they've done so well with creator-owned stuff. I know that maybe you're swaying on it slightly at the moment with all the Buffy and Angel stuff, but there's no doubt that certainly in the beginning they gave that a fresh lease of life. Oh, so, big so Boomer, they're they're sort of just nailing it at the moment, uh, and you know you always think of licensed properties like this. When I saw this was being adapted, my first thought was IDW because they tend to do all of these sort of adaptations. But uh, what I will say is you're going to be the uh, the witness for this, Roddy. Uh, I am now going to make a bet with Keith for uh, the the winner of which will get a pint of their choice bought for them. For me, Tenet is going to be a bigger movie than Dune. So I, I think... Okay. We, I, and I don't know what measure we'll use for that, whether it would be critical reception or box office, considering box offices no, might not exist this office. year. Oh. <laughs> no, that's not to say that I'm not really looking forward to Tenet. I really am. Uh, oh, here we go. But uh, I just, I mean, and 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 Tenet has, you know, the has a, a director and of, of name and, and so forth and so on. But I just can't. Uh, I just I, I don't I don't think so. Well, I'll take that bet. Yes, pint on the way. Sunflower right. pint, sunflower <laughs> pint it is. Yeah, but no, I am very much looking forward to doing as well because I really like the director Dennis Villeneuve uh, between Sicario and yeah. I really enjoy Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I wasn't a big fan of what was the one he did with Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Was it Prisoners? Prisoners. Wasn't a big fan yeah. of that, Prisoners but it still good. looked great. Um, but yeah, I would say, as you say, Keith, I mean, Dune is one of those sort of hallowed sci-fi properties, and I think people have just been really looking forward to actually seeing a proper adaptation of it in movie form. Yeah, well, that that that's it. That's what the draw is, and in some ways, it's actually the anti-Star Wars. You know what I mean? Because the hero is a is a is a kid who uh, is born in in wealth and 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 nobility, and migrates to a desert planet. Whereas you know Luke Skywalker is a hero who is born in poverty in a desert planet and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that was Keith's pick of the month. Uh, I am gonna slightly cheat here and throw one last one in here simply because I am still disgusted with Roddy that he did not choose this in his picks of five. <laughs> I am still disgusted and I am letting him know about it at every opportunity. Uh, one of the gems of the month in the previews book. I mean, this is nostalgia at its finest, gentlemen, for the all three of us. Oh, absolutely. It, it really is, yeah. yeah. So just one last one I'm going to throw out there. This is Transformers Back to the Future, number one of four. Uh, come on, we all want to see a transforming DeLorean. Who doesn't want to see that? Yeah. Uh, so this is written by Kevin... Gigawatts. Yeah, that's what he's called, isn't it? Gigawatts, exactly. How did you not pick this? 
Writer Kevin Scott, artist is Juan Samu. So, great Scott, Marty McFly has just returned from the adventure of a lifetime to a new Better Hill Valley. Everything's looking up for him. That is until Marty and his friend Doc Brown's time machine attracts the attention of the Decepticons. With one small mistake, Marty finds himself once again thrust into adventure to stop the Decepticon plot in the past, present and future. All with the help of a new time machine, the Autobot Gigawatt. And I'm going to stop there because uh, I've already cheated, so... But I just wanted, <laughs> I wanted to throw a bit of love out for that. That That is the kind of title that comic books are made for. You try to make that into yeah, a movie, yeah. way too many moving parts. But Yeah, yeah. It's a kind well, of... it's very, uh, I guess it's very similar to the Transformers Terminator crossover we're witnessing at the minute. And, you know, it kind of makes you wonder what else they can cross Transformers over with. <laughs> I'm sure we'll find there, out in the next there, six there months. There is one we missed, though. Because we missed the Transformers v My Little Pony crossover that's happening right now. So we must have let that one slip through our fingers. Sold out. I'm okay with that. Sold out of Coffee and Heroes, I kid you not. (laughs) You know, the the force is strong with the Bronies, believe me. Uh, Yeah, so no, I could continue through the book. As I say, there's lots of great stuff this month. And, you know, we we try to squeeze in as much as we can, but we just, we always want to keep it to, to a strict five. Yeah because there are other titles in oh. here you know it's uh steven would be very remiss of us after he embarrassed me on twitter uh so he did because i put up our picks on the board and straight away he retweeted it and said definitely pick up all of these books but you should also pick up and it was i believe a image title am i correct uh, commanders mm-hmm. in crisis yep. um that's by uh by Steve Orlando, well known for Wonder Woman and Martian Manhunter, um, and Milk and I, Wars. Actually, I was deliberately not mentioning that. <laughs> You're trying not to put people off. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was trying not to put people off, but um, this is kind of interesting. This one interested me as well. Actually, it's because uh, they mention you know it follows in the footsteps of the Thunderbolts, which is you know a Marvel favorite of mine, but. Apparently, the last survivors of the multiverse live among us under new superheroic identities. Five survivors of doomed worlds taking a second chance to ensure our world lives on us. A new twist on strange superhero comics with bleeding eye, bleeding-edged eye on the modern modern moment. Uh, following in the footsteps of Doom Patrol and Thunderbolts, as five unexpected heroes come together to solve a murder unlike any other. The victim, compassion itself. This is idea aside. So there you go, Stephen. There's your shout out for Commanders in Crisis. Now you I gotta say it. It's on my pull list anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Yeah. So looking forward to it because it's not often you get to jump into like a a superhero universe at the ground level, completely new. So you know what I would do. You can't go wrong with Steve Orlando. You know, if you want to jump, if you want to jump into a superhero universe at the ground level, just pick up Invincible. Fair enough, yeah. You know, it's on my list, Keith. I'm gonna read it. <laughs> Jeez, gonna uh, get The Walking Dead first. Well, I've, well, I've finished three books of you know Lazarus recently, so Invincible is the next one. You know, when we were all in our lockdown situation, we were all lending each other certain books and recommending different things. So, uh, I threw Keith Chew and Why the Last Man and. He threw me some extra bone stories and Invincible and Lazarus. And it's ironic that we're only really getting around to reading all these now that the lockdown is sort of eased. I've still got, I've still got two uh, 
one and a half omnibuses of uh, Why Last Man to get through, and it's not because I'm not enjoying it. It's because I keep buying stuff from Coffee and Heroes that I have to read. <laughs> it's because you've got a 67-issue pull list this week to get through. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're going to call it there. Um, so yeah, all these previews books are of, always available in store. We have them just over in the corner, just in the seating area. We have the previews book there for all the indie stuff, the previews book there for Marvel. If you are interested in the DC stuff, just Google DC Connect and you'll get a link to the free dc previews book essentially as uh, dc now take care of their own previews away from diamond so that's specifically number, DC Connect this number, one's three. number three isn't it yeah. that's number three this month yes indeed so yeah, loads yeah. of good stuff there we've probably missed you know a hundred great titles uh, but, easily you know um What's your what's your store cutoff for uh, for orders for? So we still have a good few weeks on this one. I believe it is three weeks until the order is due. I believe the order is due on the twenty eighth. I want to say so. Still a good few weeks to get the orders in, but obviously the the earlier we know, the better, as ever. Uh, so just get in touch with the store. Either give us a call, or you can get in touch via Facebook. Or best of all, you can pop in. But uh-huh. in the meantime, you've got the, the website there to find us on. So www.coffeeandheroes.com. Find us on all the usual social media channels and all the rest. So, yeah, plenty of, plenty of comic news out there from us and plenty of stuff happening behind the scenes. So, uh, But, yeah, I'd like to thank the guys for giving up their time tonight to talk some comics and go through some uh, previews. We will be back soon for a review show, I am sure. Once Keith gets through that three feet high <laughs> pile of comics, it was a pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you very much. <laughs> Excellent. So, uh, yeah, thank until... you guys. Good to speak to you again. Yeah. Until next time, guys. Take it easy out there. Mm-hmm.